all right people welcome good evening good evening welcome to another session um yes today we're talking about friendship and um it's the second part of the series that we began last week well i didn't think it was going to be a series you know last week was supposed to be a one-off session but for those of us who were there last week you know like i said i entered into the meeting last week with well like what i just prayed against now with bright ideas you know <laughs> sorry bright ideas are not bad you know but they must never take the place of the direction of the holy spirit you know and if you come into a meeting into a session with some idea in your mind something you wanted to say and you sense that the holy spirit is going in another direction we must be we must be humble enough to yield ourselves to him we must know that no matter how intelligent what we have in our mind might seem it cannot be more impactful than the words from the throne of the holy spirit because sometimes you might have something that is so intellectually sound so relevant you might even have some jokes in it that can get people lively but you see the words that come out of the throne of the master always bring deliverance and that is the essence of every teaching every message that god gives it is to bring some kind of deliverance an emancipation from a certain kind of captivity that we once were in and this captivity could be so many things for example we just heard onye talk about how prior to last week someone like that on the bus she might have ignored him she might have put her earphones in and not even have been worried about a stranger who she does not know but all of a sudden reflecting on the message that she received she acted differently that is a deliverance do you understand if of if anything at all it is a deliverance from self-centeredness and just being concerned about oneself only and that is what the message does it always brings deliverance now in the process of deliverance if god allows it to be that some jokes are cracked you know some exciting moments come even if it makes it to be intellectually sound all of those things are nothing but icing on the cake but the word of god must always bring deliverance the word of god must always bring liberation remember what it said in the book of hebrews i believe that the word of god is sharper than any two-edged sword dividing asunder separating soul from spirit it is able to divide us from things that we have been bonded to the word of god it brings deliverance it brings holy separation you know the word of god disconnects us from the things that we ought not to be connected to in order to connect us to the things that we ought to be connected to so this here is to say that we need to learn how to just yield to the direction of the holy spirit no matter how silly it might seem to you once you sense the holy spirit is moving this way once you sense he's moving this way just allow yourself to go with him you know and over the course you 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 notice when the holy spirit is nudging you because as you're trying to say something you just start to find these words are not flowing the way you like it's not really moving you know the way you expect it to go it's not really going like that and all of a sudden some other thought is being popped into your head that seems almost trivial 
over the course, if you start to pay attention to those cues, you, you just know where the Holy Spirit is nudging you. And you start to align your mouth with where the wind is blowing. Amen. I hope we're taking notes of that. Is it making sense to us? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, um, Finney. Finney just posted a scripture I was talking about, the scripture from Hebrews. Um, Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And I'll just read it. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, even as I'm reading this, I'm already receiving a, a wind that is blowing. <laughs> and I'm like, that almost has nothing to do with where I thought we we're going. But since I see the Holy Spirit, you know, blowing in that direction, I guess that that is how he wants us to start. And I'm just going to go with him, you know, based on this very scripture that has been brought out. There's this point where Jesus Christ talked about um, and someone should bring up that scripture for me. What he said, do you think I came to bring peace upon the earth? No, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. <laughs> I came to separate father from son, mother from daughter, brother from sister. Someone, because someone does um, 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 bring that scripture out for me right now, you know, and I, I, I can really see how this ties into friendship. I didn't plan this. I didn't think that, like I said, I came here with ideas. I wouldn't wrote like two or three pointers that I'll use as a guideline for today's conversation. But since the Holy Spirit is starting from here, I'm just going to go and trust that we're going to get to a beautiful place. So if someone can just post that scripture for me, when Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to bring peace upon the earth or division. Yes. Could you actually post the scripture? Um, Bola Kale. Oh, I hope I pronounced it Puelo. That's a very unique name. I don't think I've heard it before. Bola Kale. Is it Bola Kale or Bola Kale? It's Bola Kale. Bola Kale. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, okay. Thank you so much. Okay. So it's Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 36. And it says, Finny, you have come with this KGV. I don't like KGV. The English is too much. Maybe NKGV is better. <laughs> I prefer NKGV. NKGV is better. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, someone put... Okay, Oyechi put a... Okay. So let me read this from... This version that Oyechi put for us. Okay. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Are you already seeing the relationship between this and Hebrew? Remember they said that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So you see that the word is being spoken about here, right? Are you guys seeing this? I'm just asking, are you guys seeing this? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. I'm just showing you how you can just connect scriptures and just see it a bit in depth, right? So he said, don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter, a, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. 
Isn't this crazy? <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost like, what is Jesus Christ saying? Like, you're supposed to be the one that is creating peace and joining everyone together. So how can you say that? You're not here to bring peace, but division, you know? And I think at some point in the past, I must have spoken about this just a little bit. And I talked about how sometimes people can be connected, but they can be connected in the wrong way. People can bond, but people can be bound in the wrong way. People can be walking together, but they can be walking together in the wrong way. And sometimes what looks like a peaceful situation, what looks like a peaceful place is not peaceful at all. For example, when Jesus Christ made this statement, he was talking to his kinsmen of the, by, by, by way of the flesh, by kinsmen by way of the flesh. I'm speaking about the Israelites of that day. And, you know, we all know that the life that they were living at that time was a far cry from the standard of Christ, from the standard of God. So much so that before the coming of Christ, for hundreds of years, there had not been any prophet that had risen up in that land. The word of God was scarce. That's how much, that's how hardened the people were. For hundreds of years, there was no bright light in that land. And the people had become callous. Their hearts were so hardened, they were unwilling to hear, they were unwilling to receive. And by nature of their deafness, they began to perpetuate evil upon one another. But guess what? In the midst of that evil that they were perpetuating against one another, they had created a kind of peaceful system. I don't know if you've seen a place where, have you ever seen, you know, and this reminds me of, this reminds me of um, um, when I was in college, you know, and I never was, like, I didn't go to boarding school. So I never really had that, that frat mentality, you know, that, you know, that frat mentality, like boys, you know, like 10 boys in one place. And, you know, like, you know, like, I don't even understand what I'm saying. Like how boys, you just fill themselves up in one room or one house and they just like stew up together. And do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, like um, frat house or something. Yeah, like frat house, that frat living. I, I, I never really, I just never knew how to do it because first of all, I didn't go to boarding school. So I, I, I didn't know how to live that life. And I, I never really lived that life, you know? So even when I went to school, I had me and my friend had an apartment, you know, so it was, I was always like, so when I used to go to some, see some of my friends and maybe like in one house, there were, there were 10 guys in the house, you know, and everything was upside down, you know, like you see socks on the floor here, you see McDonald's pack from two days ago, like the, the kitchen, the plate has, it always did my head in, like some, sometimes you see on the floor, the, the, you know, the... <laughs> I'm sure you can, you can feel what I'm saying, right? <laughs> you know? And some way, somehow, these guys were living in a house like that and they were at peace. 
don't know if you've already seen the connection I'm trying to make here. Some way, somehow, in the midst of that raggedness, in the midst of, of dirtiness, in the midst of chaos, these people seem to be at peace. And in what was clearly an upside down situation, no one seemed to be bothered at all. They would wake up every morning, they would just use their leg to shift away one trash, and they would cook their food in that same dirty place and eat. Even in that same place, they would even invite girls to come. In your mind, I don't, I don't even know who I. <laughs> Let me not be petty, sorry. <laughs> but to be honest, what in those kind of situations, I, I, I didn't know who. I would, this is me speaking of the past, not the present. So let me just, yeah. I didn't know who I would judge more, whether it's the guys living in that house or, or the girls that will come and be comfortable in that house. I, I honestly didn't, didn't know who to judge more. <laughs> but that's just me being petty, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but there was some kind of peace that they had in the midst of so much disorganization right and in a place like that where people have become become so so accustomed to chaos and disorder any small any small what's what i want to use when people have become so accustomed to disorder anything that tries to bring order to them looks like chaos does that make sense do you understand that you know, mm-hmm. yes. like for me now, growing up, you know, I had this, um, we had, had this um, lady that was like a, like a help in the house. Her name was uh, Iyabeji. <laughs> it's so funny how you remember people, they always like call themselves my the children and all that. So her name was Iyabeji, right? <laughs> and growing up, right? Well, I wasn't the tidiest person growing up. Let me not even talk as if that I was so tidy and all that growing up. And so maybe my clothes, I'll keep it like this, like this, like this, like this. But guess what? In the midst of all that, chaos i knew where everything was right so i knew where to find this shirt i knew where to find this trouser i knew where to find i knew where to find everything in my scattered room now when yabeji maybe i'll go to school I'll, and i'll i'll come back i'll say that yabeji has arranged my room i'll just put my hand on my head i say this one has destroyed my life <laughs> because now she has scattered everything <laughs> can anyone relate to what i'm saying <laughs> can you relate to what i'm saying <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, my God, this woman has just spoiled my life. How can you scatter my room? <laughs> but meanwhile, she came to arrange my room, you know? <laughs> you know? So it is actually very similar to what was happening in Israel at that time. Israel was a very dirty house. It was a very untidy house. It was a very unkept house. And they had become so accustomed to dirtiness. They had become so accustomed to chaos. They had become at peace with disorder. They had become attached to things that were not healthy for them. And that's why all throughout the Bible, the Savior, who I also called the cleaner, always look like the enemy. Because when you have become at peace with disorder, when order comes, you will look at it as disaster. I know that's a punchline, you know, but you can just, you know. 
But let me say that again. When you have become a, at peace with disorder, if order comes, it will look like disaster. And that's why all the prophets were killed because like, how can you come and spot? How can you spot what I've been doing? I mean, for example, you know, for example, in Jesus, in Jesus Christ's day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who were the heads of the church at that time, or the heads of the synagogue, they would tell people to bring all their money to the church and even abandon their parents. Now, Jesus Christ's message, talking about reminding them how one ought to give to the poor and the needy, because especially in those days, right? Because, how, what can I say? Most of the money-making ventures were from trades that involved manual labor that mostly men could do. Because of that, most of the economical power fell on the men. Now, if it happens to be that a woman's husband dies or she loses her son, she doesn't really have a chance to have a means of livelihood. So she's very vulnerable, especially if one's mother is a widow. So the, 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 the hope of that woman's survival and rests on the son, daughter, whatever, you know. Now to abandon such person and give your money to the church. It only makes sense if the church, right? will in turn take that money you give to them and make sure that, that your mother that you abandoned is taken care of. But that wasn't happening, right? Now, when Jesus Christ came to remind them of the heart of the gospel, which is people, it was removing money from the pockets of the Pharisees. And it, they, they couldn't be at peace with that because now you're scattering a system that, we have, that has been working for us. And what they always say is they'll say, oh, my father did it. My grandfather did it because people oftentimes when they want to, when, when they don't want to take responsibility for what they've done, they hide behind other people. You know, they hide behind a, a, a certain demography or, dem, or demographic. They say, oh, it's a black people thing. Oh, it's a woman's thing. Oh, it's a, it's a Nigerian thing. Oh, they hide because they don't want to take responsibility for what they've done. You know, and that was, that was what was happening at that time. There was a lot of disorder, a lot of chaos that people had become at peace with. So when the peacemaker appeared, the true peacemaker, bringing the true peace, his appearance looked like a lot of turbulence. His appearance looked like a lot of disturbance. Because, like it said, do you think I came to give you peace on the earth? No. Now, that scripture has to be understood in the, in the spirit of what he was saying. When he talked about, because it is written that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So, of course, Jesus Christ is here to bring peace. So, for him to say, I'm not here to bring peace, we have to understand that he's not talking about the peace of God, but he's talking about the peace according to the mindset of man. Does that make sense to us? Yeah. Does it make sense? Are we all following? Yes, yes, yes. Uh -huh. Yes, sir. So, uh -huh. so from man's standpoint, from Israel's standpoint at that time, there was peace. But was there really? Because the fact that people are silent or have been silenced because they feel oppressed, doesn't mean that there's peace. 
Because sometimes in our relationships, you know, we encounter people who are what we call agreeable. The word agreeable is a psychological term. It means someone who doesn't like to force, you know, and an agreeable person is someone who doesn't, you know, they're not confrontational. You know, so if, if you just push a little bit, they'll just agree with you. You know, they just, you know, okay, no problem, go ahead. You know, they just agree with you. And oftentimes we think that because such a person agrees with us externally, that they agree with us internally. And we think that because su such people say yes, that inside of their heart, they are at peace, but not really. Because you find that people who are like that, and some of us who are like, who, who are agreeable people can testify. Some of us who we know that we, 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 we find it hard to say no. 70 to 80% of the time, we are very resentful towards those people that we say yes to. Who, who is bold enough to attest to what I've just said? Who can attest to what I've just said? Hmm? Okay. Yeah. I said, I was, just, I was talking about people who are agreeable, right? And agreeable meaning that, you know, we, we find it difficult to say no. We find it difficult to disagree. We just say yes, yes, yes to everything because, you know, we don't like to fight. You don't, you know. So I was saying that people who oftentimes say yes, 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 who agree all the time, 70 to 80% of the time, they are resentful towards those people that they say yes to. So I was asking if we can testify to what I'm saying. Very true. Yes, very true. You know. And that's how it was in Israel at that time. And that's how it is in so many nations. The fact that your people, and like, for example, now we say Nigeria is the happiest country in the world, but are we really? The fact that people are quiet doesn't mean that they are happy with what is going on. It's very possible that we're quiet because we feel like if we talk, the punishment is going to be so great that I'm actually just going to stay quiet. And sometimes in relationships that happens. You know, we just agree with what this person says because we know that if we disagree with them, they're ready to fight and we're just, we're just not ready for a fight. So we know we're just going to say yes. True of us. Who, who, who knows what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking Very about? True. You know? Yeah. Huh. I do. Uh -huh. So in Israel in that time, you know, in Israel in that time, the people... It looked as though the land was peaceful. But the fact that people went openly complaining about the, the, the heavy law requirements, the fact that people were not carrying open protests against how widows are abandoned, orphans are abandoned, how people are treated anyhow, the fact that people weren't doing that doesn't mean that it wasn't a deep pain in their hearts. So what looked like a peaceful circumstance or a peaceful situation was not really peaceful at all. So when Jesus Christ said, do you think I came to bring peace? He means, do you think I came to allow you to be, to continue as you are? Do you think I'm, I'm here to allow you to be at peace with rubbish? It's just like, for example, as a parent, right? 
you walk into your child, maybe, I don't know. Um, I remember once upon a time, you know, I was a child, I think I was like five or six, you know, I was very troublesome. My uncle just bought a new car. So he gave it to my mom to test drive. This was in like 1999 or year 2000. And this was a very, this was, it was a Volvo, very, a brand new Volvo at that time, you know. And he brought this car just for one day for my mom to test drive. <laughs> I don't know what came over me. <laughs> As I saw that car, I just took a hanger. I just started to scratch it. And let me tell you what was happening. The sound that was coming from the scratch was so interesting to me. <laughs> so the more I was scratching, the more I hear the melody, I said, wow, let me try it on this side. <laughs> That's how I scratched the whole car. <laughs> ah! The beating I received that day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I received beating of life. <laughs> but we thank God. <laughs> you know? So in the midst of me doing that, there was no way on earth my mother was going to allow me to be at peace with it. It wasn't possible. <laughs> because even if she allowed me to be at peace, there is no way her brother would give her peace. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> There's no way her brother would have given her peace. Because when rubbish is happening, when God sees rubbish happening, he can't allow you to be at peace in it. And that's why sometimes, that's why sometimes, God will infuse a bit of chaos to distort, to distort. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. God will bring in a bit of chaos to, to distort something that looked like it was peace, even though it really wasn't. You know, exactly, Genesis, a false peace. So when a false peace is present, God will inject some kind of disturbance so that these people that were at peace with this thing, that peace, they will lose it. And that's why it seemed as though Jesus Christ was very, very violent with the Pharisees. He's like, ah, he was as if he was a rude person. He will attack them with his mouth. You brood of vipers. He was, he was, his mouth was a sword. Because they had become so comfortable in rubbish, he had to wake them up. So what's the point of all this? And why did God make us begin with this, you know? Because at the end of the day, you know, if God takes us in a direction, there's going to be a way he's going to bring everything, you know, full circle to, to, um, to help us understand how it all relates with what he's talking about. But before we continue, sorry, there's two Havarims here, Havarim Bible Study and Havarim. Who, who is that? Who is Havarim Bible Study? Okay. Maybe the person can speak here. But yes. Um, but yes. Um, um, 
sorry. Let me just get my train of thought back. Um, yeah, to bring everything full circle, you know, why did God make us go in this direction? Because um, sometimes when we have become accustomed to unhealthy situations, circumstances, unhealthy relationships, God begins to infuse some discord. Sometimes to help us separate from something or someone that we were connected to for the wrong reasons or help us to see why peace cannot be established. Because you find that, you know, you find that, um, you find that um, when, when, um, sorry, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm losing my train of thought. Sorry guys, one second. You find that um, oftentimes, whenever God puts you on a particular trajectory, when he puts you on a particular journey, you know, especially when he begins to connect you with people, you know, friendships and everything. I mean, look at Jesus Christ, you know, for example, you know, God no doubt connected him with those disciples, you know, and um, those very same disciples that God led Jesus Christ to over the course of the journey, you know, for, well, for three years, you know, over that time, they were all, you know, jovial. They followed him everywhere. They were very excited. Oh, master, master, we're going to be there with you. Oh, master, this, master, that, you know, they did all these things, all these things, you know. And um, when push came to shove, you know, when the, when the, when the, when the real hour came, the hour when their loyalty was going to matter the most, you know, when that time came, you know, they all ran away. You know, they all abandoned him. They all disappointed him. Quote, well, they didn't disappoint him because he expected all that to happen. But it was a tough friendship, you know, if I would say, if I would say the least, you know, because, I mean, he called them his friends, you know, but one of these friends, you know, betrayed him to the Romans. You know, one of, one of these friends denied him openly three times. Some of these friends ran away. They were nowhere to be found. At least we saw Peter. Peter still followed him to the to the court of the high priest. The rest of them, where were they? You know, nowhere to be found, you know? So the fact that, the fact that God says, this person is your friend, the fact that God says, I want to, I want to connect you with this person, doesn't always mean that there will not be, I would say, bombs and hiccups along the way. You know, as a matter of fact, I find in my experience, I want to have learned with God. Oftentimes when God starts to connect you with people, you know, that connection will help both of you to see your weaknesses. And such people will serve as mirrors for who you are. They will serve as a mirror for who you are. You will serve as a mirror for who they are, you know. And Oftentimes, when we see the truth of our reflection, it's not very pretty, you know. And that's why in some friendships are like, oh my God, whenever I I um I come around you, whenever I hang around you, oh my God, I I I, I sometimes feel the, see the worst of myself, you know. I sometimes feel very upset. I sometimes feel very angry, you know. When I come around you, you know, 
And it could be someone that God has actually connected us to, you know, and hold on guys, one second. Sorry, I have a connection issue. Hold on, one second. Sorry guys, I was having a connectivity issue that was just, um, that was just really distracting me. Apologies for that. Apologies for that. Okay, so the point I'm getting at is that, like I said in the beginning, you know, there are circumstances that we might be in that we have become very comfortable with, you know, that we have become at peace with. It could be certain friendships. It could be certain relationships, you know, and relationships that we started for the wrong reasons, relationships that we are maintaining for the wrong reasons, you know, and the moment we involve God into that, if we are connected to something the wrong way or for the wrong reason or at the wrong time, God brings the sword of the vision. When God, and I don't know why he's saying this, I don't know who he's saying this to, you know, because like said, you know, as we're just talking, he just, began, he just began to go in this direction, you know, and I'm trusting that this is something that is going to bring deliverance for someone, you know. Um, sometimes there are some relationships, some bonds, some friendships that are not good in a particular time and are not good in a particular way. And relationships, circumstances, places that we have become very, 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 very comfortable with. Relationships, circumstances, places that we actually shouldn't be comfortable with. And just like I said, you know, Jesus Christ will come at the Pharisees and he will come at them very hard. You know, he, he will come at them so hard that he won't allow them because, you know, when people are, when people are, have been doing the wrong thing for so long, they become very desensitized. You know, have you seen how, have you noticed how, um, have you ever watched a movie before? Maybe in a movie and then maybe they shoot someone and the way, maybe the, is it gruesome? You know, maybe the way the person got shot or whatever was gruesome. Have you ever had a moment where that place the person was shot or whatever happened to them, you just find yourself touching that same place? Have you ever had that experience before? Have you had that experience before? Or maybe you see someone break their leg in a video and you just subconsciously just grab your own knee. Have you seen, has that happened to you before? Huh? Yeah? Exactly. It hasn't happened. Okay, Bola Kale says it hasn't happened to her. Yeah. <laughs> Osaiki said, accompanied with a dramatic shout of, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know? And that's because in some way or form, we still feel connected to people. Connected to them so much so that something that happens to them, we can almost feel it as though it's happening to our very own selves. When we start to become desensitized is when we're no longer able to feel people as though they were our own selves, you know? When things can happen to someone, we walk past it and we don't even feel anything. The Pharisees were like that. You know, they had become so, 
they had become so cold. They had become so deaf to the tears and cries of their people. They had, they had become so desensitized from the pains of the people. And in a sense, they were asleep because not only were they desensitized to the, to the struggles of their people, they had surrounded themselves with so many traditions and you know, justifications to help them stay asleep and unconscious to all the wrongs that were happening around them. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come to wake them up with the hard truth. So that what that sleep that they were sleeping for so long, he's, he came to ruin it. So that yesterday, if the, the reason why they could do these things is because, well, they could hide behind tradition, they could hide behind dogma, they could hide behind whatever. Now that thing that they could do with so much ease yesterday, it will be much more difficult today because now he has disrupted that peace. So the people of that time, for example, it was a situation like that where they had become attached, bound to things that were not right. And as Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to bring peace but division. I'm, and I've come with a sword to separate the mother from the son, the father from the daughter, the daughter-in-law from the son-in-law, etc., etc., etc. And this is not Jesus Christ saying that he wants people to be divided from one another. But if it happens to be that Jesus Christ appears to bring a division between you and someone or between you and something, it is because you and that thing were not really connected in the first place. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Does that make sense? Okay, you said yes, sir. What do you understand by that? <laughs> I got you now. <laughs> huh? Okay, Moya, you want to go? Go ahead, Moya. Let me hear you. Um, I can really relate to that point because I had a, a personal experience with this in 2019. Mm. Um, I had a friend, well, have now. So yeah, just really quickly. I had a friend that we that I met in secondary school um, and our friendship was built on gossiping. Let me just say it as it is. We just, that was the bulk of what we used to do, just gossip about people. And we had some similarities as well. So you get like one just friends because we love to gossip, but like we, we had some similarities, but the, the foundation of it was on gossip. I just saying in general. Um, and then mm. as well to 2019, when we had the falling out, I remember the day that it happened, I I was so upset, right? We felt out of something very trivial. Like I asked her a question and it just blew up into something. And then she ended up blocking me. Like it was just this whole thing. And so that day I was trying to ask like my siblings, like, okay, does this make sense? Like for someone to react this way to a particular question and my sister was like not really and then I was like okay and then I remember just asking the Holy Spirit like what's like what is this like what went on you know what happened and he just started telling me that first of all you want me to open your eye you want so I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will open my friend's eyes to her wrongs so that she will see her wrong in this situation and then he was like oh okay I will do that but first starting with you he now started breaking down everything on how this friendship was not even built on. You get solid, like a solid foundation. All we ever used to do was gossip and this needed to happen because I didn't realize how 
bad I was in it. You get like you don't oh. realize, like you said, how much or something until you're pulled out of it. And so I now he now took me through this whole like phase of basically delivering me from gossiping about people and stuff like that. And then much after that, um, you know, there was this whole journey of forgiveness and reconciliation. And so now she's back in my life, but now we both know why we are in each other's lives, you know. So I can really relate to that. Wow. In fact, you, you, you're even going to where I'm going to. Wow, brilliant. That's awesome, awesome. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Moya. Thank you, thank you. Finney, talk to me. All right, good evening, sir. Good evening, everyone. Uh, so my experience is very similar to the last speaker. Uh, uh, some, in 2015, I was, I was just coming out of my shell, had a very low self-esteem. I came across this lady, quite beautiful, who seemed to take an interest in me. And it was like, wow, like someone of this caliber would take an interest in me. And we had something going. I've always had premonitions growing up. And the Lord said to me clearly, this is not meant to be. But it was like, ah, guys would normally would not talk to me. We're asking, we're talking to me. I mean, the cool guys would talk to me and ask, oh, are you guys an item? And I'm like, that was the first time I, I heard that phrase. And I'm like, what does that mean? Are you guys an item? And uh, this was going on for a while. I kept getting it in my senses. This is not meant to be. It was just supposedly a harmless friendship, but I was in it. Like she became more like a God to me. Hmm. And then suddenly, just as, as it started, it ended. And it was a, you took me to Everest and then you threw me down. And I was miserable. For nights on end, I wouldn't eat. I was weeping. Oh God, please make her talk to me. It was something very trivial. And she just said, I think I cracked a joke. We were talking on the phone and she just said something like, uh, is it because I'm even talking to people on your level? And that's how it ended. She blocked me, weren't talking anymore. It was like the past how many weeks didn't happen? And I was like, what, what just happened? And uh, that just uh, showed me how the Lord brought a sword, you know, to, to disrupt a false peace. That never should have happened. Now, I and this person are not exactly friends, but we have a healthy relationship now. But that original one that was built on false foundations had to be scattered had to be brought low for something genuine to you know come out yep thank you so good that's so good thank you for that that's so good thank you thank you Finney. thank you um, moyo you know th these are very very beautiful examples and it, it really is actually where i'm heading to you know um and it's so interesting because i'm just here like i said you know like this wasn't what i had in mind you know i'm just going with with the wind of the Holy Spirit, but I, like I said in the beginning, you know, whenever God brings a message, whenever God gives his word, it is always to bring some kind of deliverance to someone somewhere, you know, even though in one's mind, it might not sound like the way you thought it was going to be, even though whatever, God's word always brings deliverance. And I really believe that this particular thing that we're presently on right now, is going to bring deliverance from someone because I believe that someone somewhere, maybe some of us here are in the time where God is causing us to begin to review our friendships, you know, to begin to review our friendships. Some of us, we recently just started to get closer with God, you know, and um, 
as much as we're getting close to God and, you know, drawing near to him and getting engaged with a community of people who are also doing the same, we still at this point in time have another set of people entirely who are in complete contrast to where we are, where we're going, what we're trying to do. And we find ourselves dilly-dallying between the two, you know, and sometimes it might not even be that case. You know, you might have even been working with God for a number of years, but you have this particular friend or this particular group of people, this particular thing that you know for a fact puts you in a place where you know that, you know that this isn't so good for me, you know. And you know that God has been causing you to look at that place a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, you know. Because when God starts to talk about division, when God starts to tell us to separate from something, like I've said many times, you know, no matter how far a person may have fallen, every single person has an element of goodness inside of them. Every single person has an element of God inside of them. And I'm saying this because there is no one who is a write-off, not in this world. God doesn't write off anyone. So there's no one who is really bad in, this, in, in the absolute sense of it. Or you say, this is a bad person, or this person is condemned. That is not how it works in the kingdom of God, you know. Nonetheless, and I'm saying this because sometimes when, when God starts to tell, talk to us about separation from something or someone, you know, our first, our first um, resolve is, or our first, the first thing our mind uses to combat it is, like, ah, but is this person not a human being too? Ah, but it's not, it's not as if this person is a bad person now. It's not fair. Who can relate to what I'm saying? Who can relate to what I'm saying? Yeah, hmm? I can't. Because. Yeah. And you are totally right in that statement saying this person is not a bad person. And it's true. They're not bad because everyone, like I said, has some good in them that God sees and makes God able to love them and have faith enough to work to cultivate them, you know. But that a person is not bad doesn't mean that they're good for you right now or they're good for you in this way. And that's something that we need to remember. That someone is not bad doesn't mean that they're good for you right now. Because for example, we can say, okay, a donut is not bad. A burger sandwich is not bad. A box of pizza is not bad. But if you happen to be to have a career in modeling right where you have to maintain a slender figure and all these things then because of that direction you're going donut is not good for you donut is not bad but for where you're going donut is not good for you at least at this point in time does that make sense yeah it does does that make sense to us you know because like we said when you're connected to something the wrong way, you're not connected to them at all. 
Because there are many reasons why people bond with people. You know, sometimes, I mean, all throughout our lives, we've had friendships for different reasons. You know, we had friendships from, well, from real genuine love, you know, affection. We've had friendships from lust where, you know, the reason why I became friends with this person is because I was lusting after them. You know, I, I'm sexually attracted to them. And that's actually what made me initially become their friend. You know, we, we make friendships because of what I believe this person can do for me. You know, like the same business networking, you know. So I'm, the only reason why I'm talking to you is because I look at you as an opportunity, you know. So that's why I'm actually collecting your number. I don't really care about you. I don't care if you die tomorrow. I'm just, you know, meeting you today at this seminar, taking your number in hopes that some way, somehow you can help my business and I can get rich off of you. <laughs> True or false, guys? <laughs> Isn't that networking? <laughs> <laughs> huh? yes that's the talking now pretty much you know <laughs> you know there are some friendships that we've made from you know a sense of low self-esteem you know believing that if i'm associated with this person because i believe this person has some value or has some respect in society hopefully that respect will rub off for me true or false who is honest to say that once upon a time we've had a friendship like that where I associated with this person because this person was cool or whatever? Who can who is bold enough to say that? Who, who yeah, can testify? True. Uh, I, I, I definitely have. I've had huh? Praise Jesus. <laughs> I did praise Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, them someone's duff in secondary school. Say that again, favor. I say we used to call them someone's dove in secondary school. Like I'm this person's dove. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Chamaka, I don't understand your question. Could you elaborate a bit? Like instead of associating yourself with someone because they're high up um, mm -hmm. on the rank, you associate yourself with someone because they're not as high up, so like they're lower. Uh, there's also that too you know sometimes we make friendships with people because you know um well there are many reasons sometimes we want to help people sometimes we we keep you know <laughs> i don't know if it's true i'm just saying well anyway <laughs> you know there's this popular saying you people tell me whether it's true or not you know that sometimes pretty girls like to go around with you know sometimes they hang around with girls that are as pretty as them Sometimes they like to hang around with girls that are not as pretty as them so that, you know, they can feel better when a guy jumps over their friend to talk to them. Is, is this true? I don't know if it's true. You tell me. Is it true? <laughs> you know? And even, even guys do that too. I mean, like, a, a lot of men do that. You know, they... Well, some men do that. You know, they carry around guys who are, you know well, not in their quote-unquote bracket or status, whatever status that is, you know, and they keep them around simply to always help them feel like they're big, you know, because mo most, most times such men, when they enter into a room with men of their caliber, they feel very small, you know, they, they, they don't know how to keep that confidence amongst their peers. They can only be bold when they're around people who they believe are less than them, you know, so there are many reasons why we start friendships, many, many reasons, you know. And more often than not, it has nothing to do with actually, with us actually. Well, first of all, 
wishing to connect with another soul, and above all, wishing to be a channel of God's divine will to that soul. And that tells us that most of the times, the friendships that we have are very, very empty because they're very superficial. And if we sit down and begin to reflect on a lot of things, we'll see how very superficial a lot of our friendships are. And we wonder why they're not so very fulfilling. Because if you have two or three genuine friendships in your life, you, 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 you really won't be looking for that many friends. Because first of all, when we talk about genuine friendship, the cost of having a genuine friendship, I mean, a friendship that is reciprocated between you and, and, and another person, what it takes, what it costs is so high that you, you yourself, you know, you can't have this with many people. Jesus Christ wasn't friends with everybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's written there. You know, he said to them, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but a friend does. You know, and someone can put that scripture for us. I think we even talked about it last week, you know. A friend knows what the master is doing. You know, you're both seeing each other eye to eye. You're both walking in the same direction. You're both going to the same place. You can't have that with many people, you know. And sometimes the friendships that we have made over the years, the ones that we think are so valuable, some of us, we have some friendships right now that the only reason why we still have it is not because us and that person, there's any, there's any, what's what I would like to use? Present benefit. The only reason why we are still holding that friendship is in honor of what you and that person were once upon a time. Who can relate to what I'm saying? That the only reason you are keeping this friendship is just in honor of what you guys had 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you're just, that's the only reason why you guys, because as of now, there's nothing really connecting you, nothing at all. Like your lives are almost like polar opposites, but you're just holding that friendship in the name of honor. Ah, me and this person, ah, 15 years ago, we're always together like, like cats and rats, like, you know, five and six. And, you know, there's so many different kinds of friendships that we have, you know. And a time comes when God starts to tell us it's time to disconnect. Not because this person is bad or not because this person is to be abandoned. But sometimes, and I love what Moyo said, you know, she said that at that point in time, her and that girl, all they were doing or most of what they were doing was a lot of gossiping. So their friendship was built upon cracking jokes and, you know, making stories, entertainment out of the misfortunes or sometimes fortunes of others. So they really had, they, they had a friendship built on, I don't know, talking about other people's businesses. That can only go so far, you know. And God had her to dis <coughs> God had her disconnect from that friend in order to connect them the right way. Because when God disconnects us from something, it's because he wants to connect us to that thing the right way. 
Sometimes that reconnection can happen in one year. Sometimes it can happen in five years, 20 years. It's not really about the time. It's about our readiness. Does that make sense to us? Who can explain that statement I just said? I want to see who's following me. When I said that, if God disconnects you, the reconnection can take five, 10, 20 years. It's not, the, it's not about time. It's about your readiness. Who can explain that to me? Can you raise your hand? Who can explain that Hi. to you? Go ahead, Jenny. Go ahead. Um, so from what I understood, like it's about our readiness. Um, <laughs> I kind of understand this very personally because I've gone through that like this year. Hmm. And um, I've seen that in those friendships that, that God took me away from. I had to outgrow that mindset that came with the friendships. And I had to start seeing these people the way God sees them and the way God would want me to see them. And so um, I've seen that it's, it's, there's a growth that has been happening. Like I have to, first of all, it's almost like the mindset I had with them and about our friendship, first of all, has to leave my system. And then I have to start to see them in a new way. So that's how I understand the readiness to be like seeing them with fresh eyes, seeing them the way God sees them. And yeah. Yes, 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 exactly. Exactly. Thank you for that, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Finney, talk to me. Yes, sir. So that disconnect for me was uh, actually getting to a point where I began to see the person, just like the last speaker said, seeing the person the way God saw this person. Uh, I had that revelation quite recently about a particular friend of mine. And I was just sitting that one day. Now, I'd been, you know, sort of, I'd been connected with this person. Or I'd say, oh, this person was my friend. But I wasn't seeing them. You know, the way you said uh, about connecting with someone. I was just preserving the friendship out of sentiments for a long time. Uh, until one day, it was as if I had... Uh, an epiphany my eyes just opened like wait this is who this person is and since, since that time I, I can't see that person the same way as I used to see them the basis of the friendship has changed the mixture has changed I appreciate this person more I'm now able to see them as opposed to just basing it upon mere sentiment of the past so yeah Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You know, and I'll, I'll give you a life example. You know, um, when I started coming back to Gaunt and um, I was leaving my old ways, you know, I had a particular friend who we were like, we're partners in crime, pretty much. You know, we did everything to get like we were partners in crime, you know, and I remember that particular morning, you know, um, I, I can't forget that day because I, I, I sat on my chair. I was listening to a sermon, you know, um, and I just started crying on the chair. You know, the person was singing, a very beautiful man, um, very beautiful old man that I used to listen to over the years. You know, his name is um, Robert Taranjo, Robert Taranjo. And he was just singing a song, you know. Um, let me just give you a little, a little side note, you know. Um, this man, Robert Taranjo, um, has been writing for 30 years, 40 years, you know. And he stayed in his little church in, um, I think, um, Tennessee, you know, um, he's been posting videos on YouTube every Sunday for many years, what, 50 views after how many years? And, you know, 
sometimes when I look at those things and, you know, my thing that, oh my God, am I really doing anything? Is, it, is my work really having any impact? Or you don't know that someone that you probably will never meet in your life, just by your obedience, you help and really save someone. And that someone was me. And I'm sure there are many other people who could testify to that. And they were just singing, you know, and they were just talking about how, I can't forget that message. He was talking about how we have to learn how to be in agreement with God for what he's doing with us in our lives. We have to learn how to be in agreement with him. And as he was just saying, I just sat on my chair, I just started crying. And he was just singing a song about it. And he actually, that was singing, he just lost his wife of almost 40 years, you know. So he was not singing from an empty place. He was singing from reality. And he was crying too as he was singing because <laughs> it's not easy. And I just sat on my chair, you know, I was just crying. And God was telling me the last thing I need to do, I need to disconnect from this particular friend. I need to let him go. Ah, I said, God, I'm going to do this. Not really was I thinking about this, my friend who I had become so used to. I was also thinking about him and how, it, how he would feel like from nowhere, you know. But guess what? It's not because that person was bad. You know, he did feel that way. He did feel as though like me, you know, because I blocked him everywhere. You know, at that time I was very radical. You know, I was, I was aggressive. I was blocking people on every platform. Like I was just trying to save my soul, man. I was just trying to get myself saved. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want anyone to be hindrance. So I was very aggressive, you know. So I blocked him on everything, you know. But guess what? At that time, he was a very, very strong influence in my life. And his presence had the capacity to make me feel like I'm missing out on something. You know, his presence had the capacity of, it, 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 just him being around would just make me feel like, ah, are you sure you made the right decision? You know, because of course, all that life and all that playing and all that money and all that stuff, you know, like just seeing that, I'll just, I'll, I'll just feel very, nostalgic and I knew that well, at that time I didn't get what, what God was doing but looking back now I know that at that time he had a very strong influence in my life more than many other people and if I had kept him around it would have been very hard for me to focus on God because he was too great an influence over my life at that time so I blocked him, you know. So Tereso asked, did you tell him or you just blocked him? So I told him that I have to go. He didn't, he wasn't having it. He was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, come on, like, you know. So when I saw that he was trying to guilt trip me, you know, of course, I don't blame him. Like, you know, I just blocked him because like, <laughs> you're not going to take my soul, Satan. <laughs> not that he was Satan. I hope you're getting my point. You know? But at that time, I knew that. Trust me, it was very hard. Yeah, it, it was very hard. I, I cried, like, I cried, like, it, I cried, you know. And it was after that moment, I went into full isolation for about four months. I barely left my house. I was just indoors. 
I was just indoors. I, I was studying a lot. I was praying. I, that was a time when I was being replenished, I would say. That was when my cleansing, the cleansing of my soul started to happen, when I just entered into that cave, that cave season, you know. But fast forward, five months later, you know, God told me, hey, connect with him. And I reached out to him, you know. I guess what? He didn't have that power anymore, you know? He didn't. Like, he didn't. My window of vulnerability had passed. And he didn't have that power anymore, you know? Like, he was gone. It was gone. And the person who once upon a time was a was a great negative influence upon my life. I then in turn now became a great positive influence. And my presence had more positive impact over him than his presence had negative impact over me. And that wouldn't have happened if God didn't cause that disconnection. Now at that point in time, it looked as though it was unfair, you know? It could look like it was unfair to me, like how can God just make me, you know, abandon quote unquote friends? How can God make me treat people like this, you know? How can God, how can God, you know? But there was a much bigger picture in mind because it's better for, what's the word I want to say? You know, because it's better for, for me to disappear for some time and come back with some strength that can help both of us. Now for me to stay and both of us drown, you know, and that, that would have, that, that, that's what would have, would have happened because two of us, we, we, we did the same things. So there's no how if we just stayed together like that, it would have been beneficial. It, it, it there's, there couldn't have been any positive uh, outcome of us hanging out at that time. Because, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> because um, it just couldn't have happened, you know. We had done so much crazy stuff that just even seeing each other, you know, the memories and everything, it's, it, there's no how, like, you know. So God had to bring that disconnection, you know. God had to bring that chaos. God had to bring that sword to break something that looked like a good union, you know, which really wasn't a good union at all. And there are some of us here who have different kinds of unions. You know, we know, we know. I, I mean, the whole point of messages, you know, I mean, we're not babies, you know. Right now, the way God is, the way the kingdom of God is moving, we're going beyond the time of spoon-fed gospel where we force you to do everything. We say, don't do this. What? No, what? That time has really passed. You know, we're not in a time where, or a time when a message is put before you and it's up to you to be honest with yourself. I use that message as a mirror, as a GPS to help you navigate your own life. So as I'm saying all these things, the purpose of this is to get you to start reflecting 
in different things in your life, different relationships, different associations, different bonds, especially the ones that you know are not so very helpful for you right now. Can God give you wisdom in how to deal with things? Yes, because I just give an example. It doesn't mean that this is a template that must apply with everyone. You know, for me, if when I look back, I believe that I could have had more wisdom in, you know, communicating with some of my friends. I could have, but hey, no regrets. I really don't regret anything because at that point, all I knew is what I did. And what I did helped me tremendously. Did it hurt some of my friends? It, it really did. But hey, guess what? It's better for them to be hurt than for both of us to be destroyed. And that's what I tell myself. <laughs> and the truth is that we would have all been destroyed. You know, we're already destroyed. The destruction would, just, would, have, would have just continued, you know. And um, a lot of them, a lot of them that we used to parole, quote unquote, together, some of them are even here on Heaven's Gate. You know, some of them are calling, some of them. Now, people who were Im- impacting ourselves negatively, people who could really derail me, I'm not the one who is taking them out of that path. And when I look back on that, it's worth it. You know, it's worth it. First of all, because it helped me to find my own footing with God and begin to grow my own individual journey. Because you can't, you can't be anything for anyone. You can't help anyone if you yourself haven't gone through the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. If you yourself are not, because cleansing is not a one-time thing, it's ongoing. You know, every every season of your life, there's something you're going to have to be cleansed from, you know. And it's from that cleansing that you go through that you're able to clean another person, you know. And there are times when a separation needs to happen. There are times when a separation needs to happen. A time can even come when God will tell me I need to separate from everyone here. It's not how it won't happen. You understand? There's a time it definitely happened. Jesus Christ, as much as he loved, loved, loved everyone, there were times when God said, hey, up to the mountain, and he separated. And let me tell you, when he was on that mountain, he wasn't thinking about anyone down. He was just thinking about him and God, and he was focusing on that communion. Because it was what he was gaining from that communion was exactly what was going to benefit those people. So if he really cared about them, he needed to forget them when he's with his father because that's the way he can be of best help to them. So it's even possible that a pastor, whatever, a shepherd, whatever, can also have an unhealthy relationship with the people that are in his charge or her charge. It can happen. You can be connected in the wrong way. So there are many dimensions of these things. Many, 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 many dimensions. And we need to begin to introspect and be honest with ourselves. Is this relationship healthy? Is this connection presently beneficial? Is this something that God is telling me I need to slow down on? I need to withdraw from a little bit? The purpose of this initial message is to get us to reflect because the word of God, even though it's a sword, is also a mirror. A special kind of mirror now, you see. It is a mirror that helps us see what we ought to look like. 
And it's when we see what we ought to look like and we realize, my goodness, what I ought to look like is so far from what I am now. That is what inspires us to begin to move forward and press on. That's why Paul said, I behold him like clear glass. Because Christ himself, the word of God, is our true reflection. And when we look at him consistently, and we see, my goodness, I'm not yet there. I'm not yet there. That is what propels us to begin to move forward and draw closer to him. Because God's word has to be a mirror in our face. You know. So, so far, so good, based on all that has been said. Um, I want to hear our thoughts, comments, questions. So I'd like to see our hands. Thoughts, comments, questions. I really want to hear us because I want to know how the conversation has been going with us. So thoughts, comments, questions. Can I see some hands? All right, Finney, go ahead. Guys, Finney has been talking so much, so I need new, I need new hands now. <laughs> I, mean, I have a question. Um, it, it relates. Uh, say you have a friend, for instance, mm. and you have a dynamic of one person always does the reaching out, the the loving, and as much as the person who's doing this thing, this person is doing it from the perspective of, oh, Jesus is love, and love is going out of your way for another person. But then there's also the place of receiving, of course. And you always talk about how we need to give and also be open to receiving. But the person from whom love is expected in return gives an excuse of, uh, well, I'm not the calling type and I'm not the WhatsApp type or the Telegram type or the Instagram type, or I'm this type, I'm that type, or you're going to get used to me. Uh, and I just feel like, and then you, you you get to the point like, okay, am I the problem? Am I too clingy? Am, am, am I too needy? Is this, uh, uh, what is wrong? And it, it somehow makes it look like um, why you, you begin to doubt yourself. And then at some point you just be like, see, I beg, I beg, I beg. I'm not even going to do anything in, in the as it regards this relationship again. Let's just go where it's going. So, um, my question is, where is the balance between loving a person and actually, you know, healthily expecting something in return? I don't know if my, if my question is properly phrased. That's a very beautiful question, Finney. Thank you for that. <laughs> Esther, um, Finney, Esther said that you're in love. Is that true? <laughs> You've caught the love bug, eh? <laughs> it's allowed, please, my brother. Don't don't mind them, please. See, let's see, let's let's encourage guys with, with big emotions, please. We need more of that. Abi, we need more of that now. Come on. We need some lover boys out here, you know. All these hard guys that all these guys are forming. I don't please, 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 please. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, the question is very lovely, you know, um, and it's almost multifaceted, you know. Um, well, I'll start by saying that, um, I'll start by saying that, um, um, when we talk about giving, you know, when we talk about giving, you know, um, giving is very, 
very, very dynamic. It's not, like I always say, as linear as one might imagine. You know, there are many dimensions into giving a person. You know, and I'll give an example. You know, there's this statement that give a person a fish and they'll eat for a day, but teach a person how to fish and they'll eat for their lifetime and probably their children will eat for a lifetime, you know, and both of those things are actually giving, you know, and sometimes when you're teaching someone how to fish, even though you're giving them something, in the process, it might look like you're taking something from them, you know, because God is the greatest giver, you know, God is the greatest giver, you know, but when God demands from you, he doesn't hold back. And right now, reminded by the Holy Spirit of the parable of the talents and how we read about how God gave one person one talent. First of all, in case you don't know what a talent is, a talent is a, is a unit of measurement. And back then, a talent of gold is about 50 kilograms of gold. One kg of gold today, I think, is worth about $30,000. So do the math. That's about almost, what, 35 times 3 is 15. That's, that's um, $1.5 million, I think. Right? Is my math correct? Yeah, $1.5 million. Yeah, $1.5 million, you know. That's a lot of money, you know. That's a lot of money, you know. So one talent is a lot of money. So when he said God, when he said God gave someone one talent, <coughs> that's a whole lot of money, you know. Another person he gave three, and I think another person he gave five. So you can imagine. So three talents, that's 150 kilograms of gold. That's 4.5 million dollars, you know. So the one he gave five talents, and so on and so forth, you know. So he gave them something, right? But he didn't give them something to become useless, so much so that they would, they would, they would leave. How was what I want to use? I'm just trying, trying to be very careful. To the point where they don't develop a sense of independence, you know, a sense of independence, a sense of discovering their own individual value. They have to also put something on the table. God might, God might provide the initial spark for you to begin the race. He might provide the initial force, the initial energy, the initial strength. But you must also put your own desire, your will, and your own input for the race to be completed. And if you remove any of the two from the equation, it can't work. And the same like that is in our relationships as well. Because when we talk about giving, some of us think that it means that, okay, we should just have friendships where we allow our friends to be, quote unquote, parasites. It's not even good for them. You can't even love people properly if you allow them to be helpless. I don't forget my point. When I say helpless, helpless in the sense that they can't help anyone, you know? There's this saying that, not the same, but I'm just going to use, is a, is a, a secular um, example, but it serves as a perfect um, example for this teaching, you know. Jay-Z raps about, this is when I, I used to listen to Jay-Z, whatever, you know, he talks about how 
all the people in my inner circles are millionaires and he made all of them millionaires. All the people, his, his artists, his rappers, his producers, all of them are millionaires. So much so that they don't need to call his phone to say I'm hungry, nothing like that, you know. And now they're all, they're all independent. A lot of them are doing their own thing. Some of them even have their own record labels. Some of them are even funding other people, you know. And that's how it's actually supposed to be, you know. It's not just about giving someone. It's also about empowering them. Empowering them enough for you to begin to demand something back. And in relationships, there has to be a time of demand. And it's not, it's not well, this is something that has to be spoken to to both parties, you know, because one person can't carry the brunt of this, you know. But as much as we give to people in relationships, we have to be, we have to be, as much as people give to us in relationships, we have to also be comfortable with them demanding from us in turn. We don't even want a circumstance where, you know, we have helped the person to the point where they're just useless. You know, they can't do anything. You know, like, for example, animals in captivity. Have you seen all these documentaries of animals that have been brought up in captivity? When you take them into the wild, they can't do anything. They can't survive. You know, they become so dependent on being fed from hand to mouth that they don't know anything about hunting. They don't know anything about stalking the prey. They don't even know how to manage their, their hunger. You know, some lions... They, they know that it's so hard to catch a, an antelope, right? So when they kill an, an, an antelope, they space their, their feeding, you know, and all these kind of things. And sometimes, sometimes it will rush because in the wild, if you catch an antelope, you have to, you have to fight for um, that antelope you've caught. You have to fight for it with hyenas, leopards, vultures, you know, all those skills that are developed in the wild. If you are an animal in captivity, you don't have any of those things. And once you're thrown into the wild, all of a sudden, you know, you don't know how to function. You don't know how to survive. And the thing is also the same with our friendships. We don't want a case where in the name of, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we actually contribute to the mediocrity of our friends. It's not even good. I'm not even just talking about like, um, spouse relationships and whatnot. I'm just talking about friendships in general because some of us have friends, you know, some of us might be, might be in much more fortunate positions, you know, and you might think that just because I'm a bit more fortunate than this person, maybe financially, you know, I have a bit more money than them, then that means that I must fund their whole life. Anything they need, I must pay for it because I'm, I'm the one with more money, you know, and these ideas that we have that somewhat sound altruistic, they sound benevolent, they sound kind, but are really to the detriment of our friends. So we're not really helping them by always giving them everything. You know, we're not, in fact, in that, in that way, we're really taking from them. And what are we taking from them? We're taking from them their capacity to also produce things, to also give things. Because remember, Jesus Christ said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if we know that it's more blessed to give than to receive, why should we withhold our friends from such a great blessing? I know this makes sense to us people.
makes a lot of sense. You know? You know? So if it's more blessed to give than to receive, we shouldn't be comfortable being the only ones that can give in the room. It doesn't even help our friends. If you're going to be a parent, you don't want children who can't live without you. The actual job of a parent is to gradually nurture your child into independence. Because of course, when a child is born, they're 100% dependent. There's nothing they can do about that. And that's life. But as a parent, your job is to nurture them from absolute dependence into independence. Some parents make the mistake of doing it too quick. You want to make them independent at nine. How can they? They don't have the fortitude for it, you know. But there's some things they can be independent of by nine. One of them can be, okay, the clothes they wear. You know, maybe at two, you put on their clothes. At three, you put on their clothes. At five, you start to give them options. You know, you say, okay, pick between these two or these three. By, by nine, you increase the options and stuff like that and stuff like that, you know. Gradually leading them into independence. Once upon a time, you were feeding them, you were wiping their bombs. Now you say, okay, hey, you need to go pee by yourself. You need to clean your bum by yourself. Yeah, you might supervise and everything, but the job of the parent is to gradually nurture the child into independence. And in that way, you are actually giving to them. If you don't help them to become independent, in a sense, a robbery is happening. True or false? Very true. Do you understand? And that robbery will be felt later on. And there are many children who grow up and feel like, my goodness, I was robbed of so many things as a child that I could have been taught. And a lot of people now get very resentful at their, at their parents and all these things that one has to start, start getting healed from, you know, in old age and whatnot, you know. But having a friendship where we don't allow the person give anything is not a healthy friendship. We don't even want that. So even this idea that we have today, for example, in this culture of, um, you know, like all these men that'll come and say, oh my God, once I have this woman, you're not going to do anything. You know, I'm going to do everything for you. Well, first of all, that's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie because what they're going to demand from you will be incredible. They would demand a lot. First of all, one of the first things is that you take all their nonsense. True or false? True or false, people? Or ladies, true or false? True. <laughs> you understand? The, the first of all demand that you take all their nonsense. That's the first demand that they have. So you see, demand is very dynamic. <laughs> so you say you want to be a baby girl, you know, you don't want to do anything. Well, let's see how that works, you know. <laughs> but still, you know, there are a lot of men who um, have women and they tell them, hey, don't even lift a finger, nothing, 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 nothing. And they waste the God-given potential in that woman. They waste the possibilities within her. They waste her capacity. They waste her. Convincing her that she's living a dream, but they are wasting her life away. Just because they have been put in a comfortable penthouse, they're giving a nice Range Rover every new month, you're getting the newest Fendi, Louis Vuitton, Prada bags, wasting the woman's potential and the seed that God has planted in her that is supposed to benefit the world never comes out because she has been wasted. You think you're doing a favor by not allowing her to lift a finger. 
but physically speaking, you know, for those of us who are medical students, Jedi, you're a medical student. What does it mean when you say something as when someone has muscle atrophy or when they say there's an atrophy in the body? What does it mean, Jedi? Let me talk about atrophy. Um, okay, so, so I'm a nursing student, but uh, muscle atrophy means like a wasting away of muscles when it's not put to use for a while. Exactly. You know, when something is not put to use for a while, it gets wasted and it doesn't work, you know. It doesn't work. It's not as strong as it used to be. You know, like for example, for those who, those of us who've been to the gym before, you know, if we're successful in the gym for two months, we see the kind of weight we can carry. We see how long we can run on the treadmill. The moment we stop that, if we try and attempt it again, it's so difficult, you know, because our muscles have gotten so lax and they lose the ability to to do work. So we think the good life is us not doing anything, but there can't be life worse than that. So it doesn't even, when we talk about giving, we're not even helping people by not allowing them, by, we're not helping people by telling them, by, I'm trying to look for the right words. We're not helping people by refusing to let them give us anything, if that's the word, if that's the right word. So if you don't let anyone give anything, if you stop them from giving anything, if you just say, don't worry, I'll do everything. I'm just going to be the only one giving. You're not even helping them. You're not even, you're not even being Christ-like. That is not the godly way. Because as much as Paul preached about love and goodness and everything, it's the same Paul that said, if there's a man that doesn't work amongst you, let him not eat. Who can bring that scripture for me? Please bring it out for me, you know. When Paul said, if a man is not working, let him not eat. If ants wake up every day and carry out their labor, yes, they are annoying. They will come, they will eat your sugar, they will eat this and that. Well, guess what? They're not even working for their individual selves. They take all that stuff back to their ant hill and make sure that the whole community is fine. Every day they labor, every day. I've seen some birds every day they will go and look for a, 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 a um, this wood stick, the small sticks. They go out and they will put in new one every day until they make a nest and they'll put their eggs to bring forth a new generation. Every day they are working, every day, bringing forth their God-given potential, every day. How then do we think as human beings we won't do so? You know? How then Will we be like that as human beings? How can God be happy when inside of every single one of us is a spoken word, a command, a seed of God that ought to be brought forth into manifestation? How can God be happy when that is left dormant? So this applies for both people in a relationship. You shouldn't even be happy if you're in a relationship and you are just completely on the receiving end. <clears throat> Don't be at peace with it. Don't be at peace. Well, let me not put it like that because that can give us unnecessary anxiety. The Holy Spirit has corrected me. That's why I said that. Better said, rather than saying, Don't be at peace with it, ask God, What do I have in my capacity to give to this person? That's what we need to ask. If you're in a relationship and you feel like you're with someone who is just giving so much, like I spoke about last week, sometimes the problem is we don't know what people need. 
So someone has $10 million. You are trying to buy them gift of $500, $600. That is like almost your entire salary. Why are you kidding yourself? That $600 um, gift, the person probably won't even like it. So that is not really something that they really need from you. You need to go and ask God, you know, how can I help this person? How can I be of benefit to this person? What, what do I have that I can give to this person? Show me in case I don't know it. Because a lot of us are here right now. We don't know that we have certain things to give. Everyone has something to give, everyone. If the ants can give, they are in there moving around. Do you know that ants are one of the reasons why we have a successful ecosystem? Even vultures are seemingly insignificant as they may be. Even um, beetles, cockroaches are very significant in the sustenance of our planet. When leaves of a tree die and fall to the ground and become brown, right? The soil can absorb those leaves because they don't decompose by themselves. We need ground crawling insects to consume those plants. And guess what? Sunlight and all the nutrients from the environment contributed into that tree growing and bringing out all those leaves. Now, when those leaves die and fall to the ground, it can't go to waste. So what happens? God sends cockroaches. He sends beetles and all these things to eat those dead leaves, right? When they eat those dead leaves and they pass out feces, that feces returns all the nutrients in the leaves back into the soil. One of the key nutrients is nitrogen. And when the nitrogen is returned back to the soil, the soil becomes more potent enough to produce more trees. Are you guys following me? Do you see how even the most seemingly insignificant things in the world are carrying out a particular function? They're not just wasting space. You know, nothing is wasting space. Everything has something to contribute in whatever capacity. God never demands from you what you don't have or what he hasn't given you the capacity to give. But everyone has something to give in a relationship. Everyone has something to give. So this that I'm saying, I'm saying this for the giver and the receiver. For the giver, everyone has something to give. So don't look at someone as if they can't help in any way. Sometimes you believing in someone will help to bring out their possibilities. Because, for example, if you have a child, a child that is completely dependent on you, by all means, you don't need their money. You don't, you don't, you know, there are a lot of things you don't need from them. But that doesn't mean that all those things don't come out. And if you don't believe in your child's, um, in the possibility within your child, if you don't believe in it, if you don't work to see it come out, it can't come into manifestation because you haven't allowed, you haven't given them the chance to manifest that God-given potential. You know, you haven't given them that chance. And for the receivers, don't just remain in relationships that are just one-sided and be comfortable with it. You know, Oftentimes, people like that get exhausted, really and truly. And I'm sure some of us have been in situations like that, where the relationship was really, really one-sided. 
And all we did was just tick, 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 tick. And we almost gave nothing. It can't be exhausting because there's no there's no replenishment, there's no interaction, because life is sustained in that circular motion of giving and receiving. And when it's not there, life can't continue in motion. So you don't even want to be in that situation where you're just on the receiving end. You don't even want that. You, even, you, you, you don't even know what God has planted inside of you that you're capable of doing. You're not even bothering to look for it or find, that, find, find out about it. So this is a call for us to be intentional, you know, especially especially in our different relationships and whatnot, especially when we have someone who is always giving to us. If we are not yet able to see it, or if the person can't tell us, because some people, if you ask them, what do you need? They'll tell you. And then if they tell you, you begin to see what is possible in your means. Otherwise, you pray to God to reveal it. And when you pray to God, be patient for an answer. Sometimes he can answer you directly. Sometimes he can answer you by allowing you to be present at a moment that you see something and say, wow, this is something that I can help with. That's it. And in that way, you're contributing to the continuity of another person's life. So it can't ever really be one-sided, you know. And now to go further into, you know, Finney's question about, you know, um, I'm not a chatty type, not a WhatsApp and everything, you know. I mean, <laughs> that takes one into very deep, um, what's the word I want to use? Um, couple dynamics, which I really wasn't trying to go into today, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that couple wala wala eh? <laughs> that's a whole that's a different uh, <laughs> that's a different dimension on its own entirely that one is a different ball game <laughs> i'm just trying to just stay in the general zone you know <laughs> you know because um there's really not a very um you know linear answer to things like that because you know people are really different you know and every circumstance is is, is unique is, is peculiar you know every circumstance is really peculiar you know people are different and um you know there's um for example someone might not really be a whatsapp whatsapp person you know but when you see them physically they are all in your face you know and so it's it's not really um as um um as straight as that, you know. Um, I don't know if you want to go into more details, Finney. <laughs> if you're not shy. <laughs> you know, um, do you want do you want to say some more, Finney, or or no? Okay, okay, maybe Finney's not here. Okay. What okay, Finney's not here. Okay, okay, fair enough. So um yeah, it's it, it really is dynamic, especially with um, um relationships. I I'll rather a much more tailored um question, you know, because I can only give a generic response to a question that's somewhat generic because people are really different, you know. Some like I said, some people can might not be so, you know, they don't they might not I, I know some people who don't like to text, they rather call. I know some people who hold who don't like to call, they rather text. I know some people who don't like any kind of mobile engagement at all. They like to reach in person. So on the phone, you message them, you know, from the way they respond on WhatsApp, you feel like they're fighting you. 
But when you see them in person, they're also smiling. You're like, my goodness, is it the same person? Have you ever seen someone like that before? Have you seen someone, someone like that before? Like on WhatsApp, the way they respond is so cold and so boring and everything, but you meet them in person and then they are also full of life. <laughs> Shamaka said that me. <laughs> Jerry said yes. <laughs> yeah, there, there are people like that, you know, and, you know, yeah, so we can't really use that as a, as a large yardstick of measurement because that, that comes to preference and whatnot, you know, but, but yeah, you know, just to bring it full circle, you know, Everyone has something to give. Everyone has something um, to offer. You know, um, don't don't be comfortable. Don't be comfortable being in any kind of relationship whatsoever, and you offer nothing. Don't don't live life like that. You know, and me saying this is not for you to start to feel guilty and start to say, "Oh my God," because oftentimes. When we cry, oh my God, I don't know what I have, nothing to give to this person, I have nothing. The truth is that oftentimes, and if we're honest, that tears is tears of pride because we're not crying because we have nothing to give to that person. We're crying because what we want to give them, we don't have it. And that thing we want to give them, we feel like if we give them that thing, we can be more respectable, more valuable. I've been talking to people, am I lying? Hmm? Talk to me. Um, please, how did huh? you go from being nice to us to just all this? I'm, I'm still nice mm-hmm. now, you know. I'm still being nice. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. We're about to start. Okay. You know, but it, it really is the truth. You know, oftentimes we're crying, oh my God, I have nothing to give to this person. But really, we do have. But what we have to give, we don't even respect it. And we don't think it's valuable, it's worth anything, but that's actually what God put in our hand to give to that person, you know. And we need to have respect for it, you know. For example, someone just asked now, she said, what, what does mosquito contribute? Well, do you know that mosquitoes are one of the things that control the rat population on, on the planet? Do you know that? If not for mosquitoes, there'll be more rats in the world than there are right now. Do you know that? Hmm? That's something to also think about. You know, once upon a time in Australia, they had a, a, um, they had a, a beetle pandemic, you know, and they know that, and that particular beetle that they had came from South America, right? And there was a natural predator for that beetle and it was a, a particular frog a particular bullfrog from the Amazonian um, river. So what they did, what Australia did, Australia went to gather a couple of those um, frogs and brought them to Australia. And in a matter of 10 years, they completely destroyed that beetle infestation. So much so that those frogs now even multiply somewhere that they became a problem. <laughs> then I had to go and bring something that was a natural predator for those frogs. <laughs> See life. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, so yeah, like everything, everything has its role that is playing. So don't think that, um, don't think that um, God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. God is not wasteful. God is not wasteful. You know, God, God is not wasteful. Every single thing is working. Everything is working. Nothing is, is, is just occupying space. Everything is working. 
So when Paul said, let any man who doesn't work eat, let any man who does not work, let him not eat. That's also, he wasn't just giving a command. He was reiterating a law of this universe because everything is working. Nothing is just occupying space, you know? So in relationships as well, we can't just occupy space and just sit down and just collect, 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 collect. And also we can't just in relationships just give, give, give people until they, you know, sometimes you give and you wait. Allow what you've given to come back to you, you know. There's times for that, you know. So um, someone just asked a question on the, on the chat box. So Adenike asked, what if you have something to give and the other party doesn't give a damn? <laughs> well, well, I mean, you see, like I said, you know, when we start to get more intentional with our relationships, with our friendships, you know, which we as people starting from now, we need to start when we start getting very intentional, you know, we don't just engage people randomly. We don't just befriend people randomly. We don't just, you know, they, they, God has to be involved some way, somehow. We need to approach God. This person that has just come into my life, what is the purpose of this? Why have you caused this to be? Even if he doesn't answer you immediately, but that question needs to be asked so that that answer starts to come to you. So you need to know why this has come to be in the first place. Because like I said last week, if you haven't first of all been a friend with God, you can't be friends with anyone because people change, you know, people, people are, are like the London weather, you know, it's hot now, it's cold, the next thing it's windy, it's raining, it's so, people are so unstable. And if all your relationships and all your decisions are built on just people, you can't, you can't love anyone. And that's the truth because people annoy you, people frustrate you, people do things that you, you wouldn't expect, that you don't like, people will surprise you, you know. There has to be your, 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 your choice of being someone's friend has to be much deeper than that person. It has to be beyond that person if you are really going to do what is necessary, you know. Because, I mean, Jesus Christ, people didn't give a damn about him. You know, they didn't. They didn't give a damn. You know, they didn't give a damn. They killed him regardless. That didn't stop him from doing what he had to do because it was beyond them. He saw beyond them, really. He could see them, but he saw beyond them. So when I say beyond, beyond is inclusive of the person, but beyond the person. So he saw beyond them. And that's why he was able to, to do what he needed to do because he was beyond this. Because for example, you have a child, right? At five years old, you're trying to teach them something. You're trying to make them do something and they can't care less, you know? They don't care what you're doing. In fact, they, they hate you for it. They are shouting, mommy, I don't like this, you know? But you're seeing beyond this child at five. What you're doing is because you're not just seeing this five-year-old child, you're seeing this five-year-old child at 20, at 25. And what you are saying or doing for them is because of what you see ahead. You can even go beyond because what God has shown you about their destiny. And that's why you're doing this. 
So it's not beyond them. So whether they change or not, because your foundation is not rooted in them, even if they change, you are still stable. But when your foundation is rooted in them, the moment they change, you also change. And that's why most friendships, a lot of the times, are very unstable because we enter into relationships and we have our roots in people as opposed to having our roots in God or at least God's word concerning such people. Because people are always like this. Today they move like this, they make you very happy. Today they move like this, they make you very sad. And we end up becoming very unstable people because we have our roots in unstable people. So our root needs to change and it needs to be deepened into something that is much more stable. Do you get what I'm saying, Adenike? Are you able to speak? Are you able to speak? Okay, maybe not. Okay. Who is able to explain what I just said right now to Adenike? Who can explain that for me? Just unmute your mic and speak if you're, if you're able. Who's able to speak? Um, I'll go. Okay, go ahead. Okay, the best way I can put it is in this, you posted a video one time where this um, Indian uh, teacher was speaking and he was talking about how in life, there are like just so many situations, so many variables to everything, to like, every situation and every person that we cannot depend on everything else to go our way to be happy. That there's only one thing that we can really control and it's ourselves. And so it doesn't matter what else isn't going your way, so long as you're going your way, so long as you're going the way that you, that you want to or that you planned, you should be happy because you're source of stability is not in anything that surrounds you or anyone that surrounds you anymore. Yeah, that's the way that I understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because people are fickle, you know, people, people are unstable, you know, and it's a dangerous thing to have your faith. Remember what faith is, faith means steadfast. It means persuasion. You can't let people be your persuasion. You have to let God be your persuasion because <laughs> people change people switch and one day this person looks so like such a great prospect all of a sudden they change you know and you're like whoa what's going on but if you remember what god has said and that's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god there has to be a word and we need to look for it, people. We need to cultivate this habit. Father, what are you saying about this person? And you need to hold his garment till he speaks to you. you we, we, we need to, as Christians, abandon that lifestyle where we move without the word. That blind way of living, where we just approach life blindly, make major decisions blindly, we need to throw that away. 
the time is past for that, where we just make random movements, random large decisions. We, we, we need to do away with that. Because more times than not, we will fall into problems and then we run back to the same God who we could have gone to from the beginning to give us a word. Because when you're moving with the word, trust me, even if things might go in such an unexpected way, that word that you receive in the beginning can really help you to go all the way. You know? So I think that's what I'll say to you, you know? If you know how the word concerning that person, you know, ask God. Because it's also possible maybe you're not even meant to be there. You know, because sometimes, you know, we just put our eggs in the wrong place and we think it's about love and everything, but the love could really be misplaced. You know, so there's also that. And we need to also ask, is this what I'm supposed to be? You know, so there's really that as well. You know, so um, I hope that helps you, you know. Um, Jerry, talk to me. There was someone whose hand was just raised. I just put their hand down. Please keep your hand up. I'm going to come to you. Huh? Jerry, talk to me. Hello. Hi. Um, so I have um, four questions. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I had to write down these questions because um, I kind of need answers to them. So I don't know if you'd want me to go one after the other, maybe. Okay, let me hear the first two, then we'll know if we'll continue. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the first question I have is um, when you were talking about, like, um, God separating us, like, in some friendships earlier, I wanted to ask if, like, losing passion in a friendship could be, like, a sign of separation. Well, sometimes, you know... Um, Sometimes, um, sometimes, but I mean, generally, you know, when we talk about um, friendship, you know, usually what creates bond is when there's a lot of things that, you know, you share, you know, and, you know, when we look back, especially our friends in primary school, high school, what made us close was, you know, we're in classes together, you know, we probably got punished together. We probably got flogged together. You know, we, you know, did relay into house sports together. A lot of things, you know, there were a lot of shared experiences in high school, in primary school, you know, but when we went into university, we entered into a whole new world and a whole new world that we didn't necessarily share with that other person. And because there are less things to share, hmm, the bond is not as strong. The only bond that is left is the bond of the memories of the past. But as of right now, you and that person don't really share anything as much. You know, you're not really sharing anything. Even if it's virtual, you're not really sharing anything. Like also sharing could be in what you're learning, you know, what you're experiencing. You know, like you don't have to be in the same physical place with someone, but you could be having similar experiences that you guys interact and, you know, talk about things and everything. And in, in, in a sense, that's a kind of sharing. And that's what like creates, you know, bonds. That's why, for example, you have um, like um, um, cliques of married women, of, of pregnant women, of, you know, business and everyone, you know, because these are things that they share. So when people have things to share, things in common, you know, it, it creates bonds naturally. So sometimes 
when you and a person have less to share, you know, you have less things in common, passion can sometimes fizzle out. And also it could be that, you know, maybe there has been less intention, you know, towards a friendship, you know. I'm not saying this, that it doesn't always mean that um, it's a cue from God, you know. It could also be, I'm just trying to just open up a little bit, you know, but above all, you know, it's something we can also put to prayer, asking the Father, Father, is this something you want me to continue? Or is this something, because sometimes we don't necessarily have to completely disappear from someone's life. It could be just to tone it down or the amount of energy that we put in, God, the, the amount of energy that we've been putting in, God will have us invest that energy elsewhere, you know, um, and these are things we, we really need to pray about, you know, so that we have clarity and we make very inspired decisions, you know. So the loss of passion doesn't necessarily mean that God is saying you shouldn't be with this person, you know. There are many things that can lead to loss of passion, you know, but above all, we need to ask God, you know, um, is this good for me, you know, right now? And I mean, sometimes, I mean, if you look at this, this the circumstances of, whatever this relationship is maybe you and that person are living two separate lives and maybe who knows that life is in complete contrast to the kind of life you're trying to live with god and that could be also a great cue you know so they just mean to say that i can't tell you absolutely that the loss of passion equates automatically to god saying you need to you know end this friendship quote unquote so that's what i'll say to you Jerry. Okay, thank you very much. That answered my question. Um, my second question is, how do you like genuinely love your friends consistently, like mm. in and out of season? Like, how do you genuinely love them? This question is beautiful because it's so funny that you asked this because this question you just asked actually relates to what I actually wanted to begin with initially <laughs> before God took me in this direction of the separation of friendships and things like that. And I guess it's a time to just unpack it a little bit, you know, and um, I'm sure it would help a lot of us here and I'm sure it will lead to more questions, but this is something I really want us to really pay attention to. And I call this friendship review you know, this is just what I call it. You can give whatever label you want, but to help you remember what um, I'm going to talk about now, just you can just make a header in your notes or whatever, friendship review. Because you ask the question, you say, how do I love someone in and out, in and out of season, you know? For those of us who work in um, corporations, you know, um, especially large corporations that have been around for a long time, like Deloitte, um, Arnold and Sons, um, um, Goldman Sachs, PwC, different, all these large houses, you know, firms that have sustained themselves over the years, you know, even like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, whatever, you know, like large corporations, even small ones. But if there's something that has helped them to remain consistent for decades, is because every now and then they pause to review themselves. They pause to review their environment and they 
adapt themselves to the environmental change. Does that statement make sense to us in the beginning? Does that, does that statement make sense to us? Yes, please. Yeah, okay. For example, the Coca-Cola ads that we, that we watched as children, is it the same that we're watching now, I'm asking? Huh? This is a general question now. Is it the same that we're watching now? No. No, it's very different. No. I remember when, yeah, it's very different. The ads are not the same. The bottle is not the same. The price is most definitely not the same. <laughs> Imagine if Coke was still selling their, their uh, I mean, I remember growing up, I used to buy Fanta for 15 Naira. I remember once I bought Fanta for 15 Naira. Imagine if they were still selling Fanta for 15 Naira. The company would be bankrupt <laughs> because they are not adapting. Does that make sense? They're not reviewing the well, economic environment of where, of, of, of where, they, are, where they are selling their products. So once upon a time, you could sell Fanta for 15 Naira because the economy was much different. So I'm sure the cost production was probably like, what, five Naira, eight Naira, who knows, you know. But now with the inflation and everything, I'm sure the cost production is probably like 20 Naira, 30 Naira, 40 Naira, who knows? Because now they're selling for 100 Naira, 120 Naira, and so on and so forth, you know. So we as people are just like this, you know. Every new environment we enter into affects a kind of change transformation upon us. Everything in nature, everything that God has created is reactionary in nature. Everything reacts to his environment. And for change to happen, change can only happen when something interacts with something else. That's how change happens, when there's some kind of interaction and it adapts to some element in its environment, you know. For example, and this is a very popular one, you know, I saw, I saw um, some guy, his name is Ben Shapiro, he's a very, you know, <laughs> his mouth is very quick. I don't know if you heard about him, Ben Shapiro. So he's always talking, very talking, talking a lot, you know, feeling so smart with himself. And yet for the, for the most part, he has some very strong arguments. Until one day I heard a particular interview he, he had and he said something that does maybe look at him like, this guy is actually not that smart after all, you know. He was talking about Black Americans and um, how, um, how, can we, how can we blame, how can we blame, um, how can we say white people are the problem when Black people are responsible for more deaths than, than white people. And it's true, you know, without a doubt, white people are, black people are more responsible for deaths of blacks in America. Black on black crime is higher than anything at all, you know. Anyway, this is not a blame game. It's not saying anyone is to blame, but when you look at it holistically, you know, you can't separate the aggression, violence, um, criminal behavior, of the black people from how they were treated by the white people over the past 300 years. You can't separate it because believe it or not, the white people, psychologically speaking, are the parents of the black Americans we see today. The white people produced these black Americans that we see today.
based on how they treated them, based on how they reared them, based on how they interacted with them, all of that produced who we see today, true or false people. Yes. Right? That's true. True. Not saying anyone is to blame for anything and whatnot, but I'm saying that you can't separate who they are right now from the people who raised them. Because literally, the white people were their parents. Just like the government is the parent of everyone in the nation. So the state of the government produces the kind of psychology the people will have. If you have a government that is very sensitive, that is very greedy, thieving, it's not strange if you produce, if a nation on, on, a, on a grassroots level is just like that. Because on a, on a large scale, the government is like the parent of the nation, right? And if the parent is selfish, greedy, you know, unloving, the people are going to be just like that, you know? On the other hand, if the government is very, you know, loving, very selfless, you find even the most basic citizen is ready to share their last piece of bread to make sure someone is okay, you know? So the environment a person finds themselves in has great impact on who they are, who they become. And over the course of our lives, we're going to find ourselves in different environments. First of all, environments in regards to age, because age one to 10 is an environment. And it has, it's, also, it's not just a physical environment, but it's also a psychological environment. Age 10 to 20 is also a different environment. Aside from the fact that you're in high school and everything, a lot is happening in your physical body, you know, especially for women that has tremendous psychological impact. That is an environment. Age 20 to 30 is another environment. Age 40 to 50, 60 to 70, all kinds of things. And they all, they all come with their different experiences. And all these are different environments. And when you are found in these environments, those environments have a kind of effect on you. It doesn't always have to be because ultimately we should be people who are able to adapt and still have control no matter what changes around us. But oftentimes, even though things around us, even though oftentimes when things around us change, we find ourselves changing with it. So in primary school, that was a kind of environment. And I know that environment will produce a certain kind of person, it's producing a certain kind of way. High school is another kind of environment. University, your first job, the position you had in that job, your next job, your, 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 your girlfriend or boyfriend is also another environment. You know, your, your wife, your husband is another kind of environment. Your child is another environment. And in each of these environments, you change. They have some kind of effect on you. College has an effect on you that you didn't have when you were in high school. For, for those of us who went to boarding school, people who were in boarding school, their psychology was different from those that were in day school. True or false, who can testify of this? Who can testify? Me. Yeah, yeah. People who were in boarding school had a different way of reasoning, had a different psychology than people who were in day school because they were two different environments. Even physically speaking, the goats that you find in Nigeria doesn't look like the goats that you find in in uh, uh, Switzerland. 
because the temperature there is very cold, the goats in Switzerland have a lot of fur. Mm -hmm. But because it's very hot, you see these ones there, their skin is very dry. <laughs> it's not because we're suffering, but if they had the kind of fur that the ones in Switzerland had, they will overheat, you know? <coughs> so it's more functional than it is aesthetical, you know? So in every environment, exactly, Jenny, they don't act alike because the environment is different. You know, in Switzerland, people don't really chase goods like that, but here they're chasing goods, so the goods must be different. <laughs> just jokes, just jokes. That's not a factual statement. <laughs> you know? So every environment has a different kind of impact on a person. Every environment has a different kind of impact on a person. And we as people have to, first of all, notice when our environments have changed and who we have started to become in this new environment. Because sometimes we don't even, we don't even keep up with our own selves. In one year, two or three major things could have happened and we don't take note of it. We don't observe ourselves going through it. And a whole year passes and we don't even know how all these things have impacted us. It's people that will come and say, oh my God, you've changed, you know? Because we don't take note of the fact that in every new environment, some kind of change happens within us based on external influence. It shouldn't always be so, but this is just the case because most of the time we just go through life unconsciously. And we just let things just, even still, even, I mean, aside from doing it unconsciously, for example, you're a mother, you know, or you're a woman, all of a sudden you become a mother, you know, once upon a time, you could just put on your high heels, wear your dress, go hang out with your friends for dinner, do this, do that. Now you have a child. Life is completely different. Abi, Wura, wouldn't you agree with me? <laughs> Lol, I think I'm the token mom in this group. <laughs> you always <laughs> calling me. <laughs> but yeah. You're very yeah, right. You know, you know, but yeah, you know, like, you know, there are a lot of things you just can't do anymore, you know, and and as much as we, we are to be able, we're, we're supposed to be able to recognize that in ourselves, we have to also recognize that in our friends as well. Observing our friends, looking at how different circumstances happen, looking at the different environments that they enter into and how that causes them to change and the kind of effects it has on them. Because for example, you knew someone 10 years ago and when you knew them, they had a lot of money, they had a lot of comfort, you know, everything was sorted out for them. That was 10 years ago. But now they don't have any money at all. The house that they had just got repossessed by the bank. They're now squatting with someone else you can't assume that this person that you're seeing now is the same person you knew 10 years ago. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And we have to, we have to constantly, we have to constantly approach our friends, looking at them saying, who is this person in front of me? Not just our friends, but even us as well. And the thing is, it's important we do it for ourselves because whatever we do for ourselves spontaneously or subconsciously, we'll begin to do for others. 
Because you only treat other people the way you treat yourself. And that's the truth. If you begin to review your own self, saying, who am I? Who have I become in the past year? What has this, these past months, what have they turned me into? Because last year, for example, with the pandemic, we saw how it radically changed the whole world. Because why the whole world changed radically was because in five, six months, a great number of people were forced to do something different. That's why a massive change happened. It's not because of COVID pandemic. It's not because of that. It's because a large number of people were forced to do something different. The fact is, even if 100 people had to use computer for six months, their mindset would change. That's a fact. But now this happened that millions of people had to do that for about six to eight months. That's why the, the whole economic system had to change. The whole political system had to change. The whole religious system, everything had to change because that was a whole new environment and the world can never be the same again, not the way it was. And for example, if you have a business and you don't pause to review the world and say, what is this world now? World, what, who are you? If you just assume that it's the same world of three years ago, you're making a very big mistake. And anyone who is in business knows exactly what I'm talking about. You're making a very big mistake because the world is not the same. The world is not the same. And people are just like that. Well, the world is not the same because people are not the same. Because ultimately, if the world changes, it's because people are changing. So what is true on a very large level is also true on a very small level. And we need to pause and ask, who is this person in front of me? Because to be able to love someone in and out of season, for us to do that, we have to first of all recognize what are the seasons that this person has been through. Because, for example, if mango comes out in February, that's the time mango comes out in February, you know for a fact that in February, first of all, because it's in abundance, mango will be cheaper in February, mango will be sweeter in February and all that. Because you know that February is a season of mango, don't be surprised if in August, mango is much more expensive, mango is not as sweet because you're out of the season right? Now, when you don't prepare yourself or inform yourself of that change that has happened, you yourself will not adapt to the transition that the mango is going through. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. Are you all following me? Jade, are you following me? Wow, everyone is quiet. Are you guys lost? Yes, 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 yes. I'm actively following. I'm listening. Yeah. Okay. Now let me now bring it to very relatable terms, right? For example, now, you know, um, you can be friends with someone who. Let me just give a very basic example. You know, once upon a time, you and a particular friend, you know, you guys used to party together, get high together, do things together, and everything. And that's the you she knew. That's the you she fell in love with, right? All of a sudden, you have picked up Bible. You don't wear the same clothes you used to wear before. You don't go to the same places you used to go before. Once upon a time, Friday night, you were in the club. Now you are in a Zoom session. What on earth is going on, right? For that friend to love you, she has to first of all recognize that you have not entered a new environment. And that environment is going to cause you to change. 
And she has to prepare herself to receive this new person in this environment. If she doesn't prepare herself to receive this new person in this environment, then the friendship will struggle. And this is what happens to a lot of friendships. We don't take note of the different environments our friends are in. Sometimes we don't even care to know. We just say, my God, this person is not available, this person. But we're not even trying to understand where they're in. Oh my God, this person that used to always laugh so much. Oh my God, now whenever he or she comes around, they don't even talk as much. We're not even finding out what season this person in. You know, some of us were just complaining about our friends. We don't even know what they're going through. We don't know what's happening in their life. We don't know what's going on that is making them like this. We don't know. I've, I mean, just this past week, I've read so many stories of bullying and everything. It's just amazing the kind of things, you know, that happened, that, that happened, you know, because there are times when, for example, I read a woman who was talking about how her kid used to, you know, do very well in school. All of a sudden, the kids started struggling. You know, this child that was once a star student, all of a sudden started to fail. Now for that to happen, something must have changed somewhere. A lot of parents who are ignorant will just start to beat the child. What's wrong with you? Do you have two heads? How can you drop like this? Flog the child, flog the child, not realizing that the child's grades are dropping because the child is being bullied at school. And every day the child goes to school, the child is afraid and the child can't talk because the child has been threatened that if you report, I'm going to beat you even more. And we don't even care to know. We just flog the child saying, you didn't come first. We don't know what has caused this change. And the same it is with our friends. You had a friend who was upon a time was very loving, very soft, very tender. All of a sudden, they become very cynical, very pessimistic, very done with life. An environment, they must have entered into an environment that made them into that. Because we're always a product of our environment. Physically speaking, we're all a product of this planet. This body is a piece of the planet. This is planet Earth right here psychologically speaking as well that's why we talk about how we are in christ because christ is a spiritual and psychological environment that we enter into that then reproduces us and then that change cannot be seen everywhere we go to but environments always produces people not only physically, not only spiritually, but also psychologically. And everyone you see today is a product of some kind of environment whatsoever. Everyone you see today is a product of some kind of environment. So if you have a friend, for you to be able to love them in season and out of season, you have to keep on asking, who are you? Not directly to them. That who are you that you ask about them is supposed to lead you to begin to search. Sometimes it could be you just asking them, how's it going? What's happening in your life? You know, talk to me, what's going on? For you to start having an idea of what environment that they're in. And naturally, when you start to discover the kind of environment a person is in, you can have an idea of the kind of impact it will have on them. And when you know the kind of impact it will have on them, you can now to ha start to have an idea what to expect from them. Because if not, you start to have unhealthy expectations from this person. For example, and this is a very perfect example, you know, Esther and I have been in the process. We just, you know, got married. We we're planning a white wedding. We we're bonding, getting to, you know, build together, 
this is a time where we, even to just even to be, be present like this, we, we, it takes energy, you know, a lot of energy because there's just so much going on. Right now, we really can't be as available as we were about four months ago because it's really, you know, and even going forward, it might not, it might not be as, because we're not as free as we once were, you know. Now we're together, we need to really invest a lot of time into ourselves and all these things, you know. And also when a child comes, even more so, you know. And the people who are around us, and also people who we know that are like that, that has to be recognized. That has to be seen. If not, we just have to think that people are bad, you know. People are saying, oh my God, you're acting brand new. This is not the person I knew. Yeah, it's not the person you knew because I've changed, really. And not because, of, not in a bad way, but my life has changed. And I've had to adapt to this change. Are you following me? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Is it relatable? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Is it relatable? You know? For example, aha. Uh-huh. For example, one might not have a job. And when you don't have a job, you might have a lot of time to chat and talk to someone and do all of that and do all of that, you know. And that person gets used to you having a lot of time for them. But they don't realize that you having that much time is because you're in an environment that doesn't demand so much of your time. Now, when you now have a job, you're now in an, an environment that demands at least eight, nine hours of your day. That person, if they don't recognize the change of environment, they start to say, oh my God, you don't have time for me anymore. You're so mean, you know? And I'm sure some of us have experienced something like this. It might not be exactly what I'm saying, but something similar. Can you guys relate what I'm saying? Has anyone been in a situation like that where your environment changed, your circumstance changed that didn't allow you to be as you were and now people didn't understand it and they started to you know, fight you or quarrel and have issues? Do you guys? Yeah. Yeah? Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? So friendships are like this. Relationships are like this, you know? And even if it doesn't have to, it, it, it could even be your spouse as well right? Your spouse who once upon a time had a lot of money is not the same spouse who now doesn't have money and is now struggling with self-esteem, identity crisis. It's not the same person. She's not the same person. He's not the same person, you know? Not at all. Your wife who was, who didn't have a child and your wife who now has two kids, these are not the same people. And you have to know that they're not. Their world has changed significantly and they've, they've had to change to meet the needs of their new world. And you have to know that. And if you don't follow them in the change that they're going through, then you're really going to be left behind. And you're just going to say, oh my God, this person is so this and this, this person is so that. But actually, we're the ones who were just so self-absorbed that we didn't notice all that was going on in the life of the other person. And it's something to be very mindful of in our friendships. You know, because different things happen to different people that causes some kind of change. And when change happens, needs become different, you know? Because once upon a time, for example, a person is always giving you encouragement and everything, you're used to that. Now this person is down. This person just feels like a failure. This person is ill or something like that. In that moment, 
you can't expect this person to be giving you the same kind of encouragement. In that point, you might, you'll probably have to be the one to give that. And you have to be, pay attention to the, to the change that happens. And that's life. And some of us have seen how situations, even we, we've, we've, we've been in times where we were the ones that were encouraging our parents, true or false. I'm sure there are times when we saw our parents cry and we're the ones that were encouraging them. And maybe at some point they started laughing and say, wow, it's my child that's encouraging me. How many of us can relate to what I'm saying? <laughs> How many of us can relate? Me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying, you know? And that's life, really, you know? We have to keep on reviewing ourselves, reviewing our friendships. Who am I right now? Who is this person right now? Because believe it or not, who you were in 2020, it's not the same person you are in 2021. It's not the same person you're going to be in 2022. It doesn't mean you have changed. It means that you have evolved. Because we as human beings are always in a state of evolution. We're always evolving. Always. Always. The environment is evolving. People are evolving. And we're all, involved. We're all evolving in relationship with one another. You know? And that's something to be mindful of. So we also know how to approach our friends. What, is, what, what they need, you know? For example, now, you go to an orphanage home, go and pick up a 15-year-old from an orphanage. First of all, people don't like to pick 15-year-olds from orphanages because they're like, <laughs> no way. I don't want something that's, no, I'm, I'm sorry, that's the wrong word. I don't want someone who, I don't know, I want a clean slate. Let me just use that one. I want a clean slate. So most times, once people are like 10, 12 in an orphanage home, they probably never get picked because people like clean slates. A child that has been in an orphanage home at 15, yeah, because, you know, orphanage homes, even though they are, you know, still, they are, they are like, you know, places formed out of goodwill. A lot of bad stuff still happens there. You know, a lot of bad things happen. And that's just the truth. A lot of bad things. And the children get very broken along the way, you know. So if you're going to pick up a child from an orphanage home and you're going to love them, you have to be very, very aware of the environment that they come from because that environment will inform you of the kind of person that they are. Because to love someone, first of all, you have to be informed about who this person is right now. And you have to be ready to accept it first. Like you have to, first of all, accept that this is what this person is right now. And acceptance doesn't mean that, you know, nothing can be done to help that person, improve that person. Acceptance means that you're not in denial of who this person is. You're not in denial. You know that this boy, this young 15-year-old boy that I love is a thief. You know it. (laughs) You know it. And because this child is a thief, everything that you do towards that child, well, not everything, but a lot of things that you do are going to be to address that thieving nature of theirs. You can't ignore that they're a thief. So one of the things you're going to do is, one, you want to keep your things out of the way, you know, well, in the beginning at least, so that at least you're not a casualty of their um, their their bad behavior. Second of all, you want to find out why does this person steal so much, you know? 
you know, and you might talk to them and you, you get to find out over the course of their life, you know, they were denied so many things, you know, and they got to the point where they realized, why should you tell me no? Okay, you know what? If you tell me no, I'll, I'll take it anyway. So now, even though in the beginning, a, a crime was done to them by denying them everything, they now in turn became criminals by taking anything that they wanted, which is equally wrong. So you need to now gradually educate them that you can't just take anything because you want it and without caring about, you know, how it's going to affect another person. You can't not have self-control. I mean, it's easier said than done. It's going to be a, a process of rehabilitation and everything. But you have to be aware of that. You have to know the kind of environment this person has come from and what that environment has produced before you say I want to love this person. You have to know who you're loving. You have to be aware of it. And that's the issue. That's a mistake a lot of people make. We don't care to know the kind of environments our people have come from. We just judge them from our own standpoint. But everyone didn't have you grow up with your life. Everyone didn't have your life. So you can't use yourself as, as a yardstick for everyone. It's the most selfish thing in the world. No matter how, how, how altruistic you might make it sound, no matter how grand you might think your way of doing things is, it's so self-centered to use your own self and life as a yardstick for everyone. It's wrong. You have to put into account where everyone is. That's why Jesus Christ gave some mysteries. He gave some crumbs because he took into account where everyone was. Paul said, I became all things, all men. He wasn't going to the Hebrew speaking Greek and he wasn't going to the Greek speaking Hebrew. He looked at everyone and observed their environment. And based on their environment, interacted with them. You can't not put people's environment into account. Even in business, you can't. In, in, in the McDonald's in India, they have this uh, burger called, uh, uh, I think, uh, Maharaja Mark or something like that. So they, make, they made a burger that, that represented their culture in some way. In the Middle East, they have Macarabia. In America, they have this. In London, they have this. You know, they have fish and chips and all that. You know, everything needs to take the environment into account. If not, there will just be a lot of misplaced effort. And ultimately, when your efforts are misplaced, you won't get the results you're looking for. And then you feel disappointed, you know? So to love people in and out of season, you have to recognize the different seasons that they're in, you know? And people go to different seasons in life, seasons of hardship, seasons of plenty, Seasons of betrayal, seasons of loss. Because your friend who lost her mom is going to be a completely different person from your friend who had a mom. The fact that she looks the same physically doesn't mean she's the same person psychologically. She's changed. And you have to start to ask, who is, who is this person now? Has she become very negative? Has she become very bitter? Has she become very detached? You need to ask this question. If not, you're just going to be judging her based on an idea that is in your mind. You know, him or her. So we need to keep on asking, who is this person? Who, have, who, who has this person become? You know, because for sure, I mean, even me here, you know, like I, I give the first example, getting married is a whole new environment change is going to happen but even starting this ministry a great change happened i'm definitely not the same person i was a year plus ago and it's true 
And two years from now, I'm not going to be the same person I am now because the environments are going to change, are going to evolve, and I'm also going to change with it. And anyone who's going to be my friend has to be aware of it as well. If not, you will just be using your imagination to judge and measure me. And disappointment is the only outcome of that, you know? So that's something I just wanted to say to us, you know? To really begin to think about, we need to review people. We need to review ourselves. We need to review our friendships. Who is this person? And for so many reasons, because you, you might have known someone for 10 years, you know, but in that 10 years, you know what that might have happened? Yeah, 10 years ago, they were so good, they were so kind, but are you sure it's the same person now? Because, you know, we're so quick to trust people based on yesterday, but yesterday is not today. Yeah, two years ago, they were very trustworthy, but have you reviewed them now? They might have been trustworthy then. They, they, they might have been trustworthy then, but you need to review them again to see if they're trustworthy now. And that's life. Even God is constantly reviewing. Constantly, you know. So yeah, that's what I'll say to your question, Jerry, and to all of us as well, you know. I hope that helps. Yes, it helps very, very much. Um, uh, wow, thank you. I'm, I'm really going to sit with it and actually review my friendships. And thank you so much. It was so, so helpful. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. So my, can I still ask my third question? I'll give a short answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. My, my third question is, um, how, how does one experience like the presence of God constantly and like consistently in our friendships? So, like you see by praying together, fellowshipping together, etc. like, I don't know. Well, the first thing you want to do is first of all, learn how to experience the presence of God individually, you know, and that begins with mindfulness you know, and always looking for God in everything. And once there is an intentional seeking for God, doesn't matter where you are, whether you're your friend, whether you're sleeping, whether you're having a shower, whether you're in the gym, in school, you feel the presence of God because it doesn't always have to be two people, you know. It doesn't always have to be two people um, in communion with God for you to experience the presence of God. You just have to be mindful because you just have to, God is everywhere. God is like light. There's nowhere you go that there isn't a speck of light. It just, the, are, you, are you able to see it? You know, so I'll just say mindfulness, looking for God and remembering him in everything and you feel his presence. So that's what I'll say. But of course, having a friend who um, also walks in that path with you, if you guys can pray together, study together, it's so beautiful, so powerful. I think that's a beautiful thing, you know, so that would definitely help any friendship when it's built on God's word, you know? So yeah, that's what I'll say. All right, thank you so much. Last question. Um, so uh, my last question is, so say someone, or let me say I'm, I'm in a place right now where I have a friendship that isn't exactly glorifying God. Let me say I've just, come from a place where I'm growing because I'm, I'm coming from a place where I wasn't so mindful of God and wasn't so intentional about my relationship with him and, and it being reflected in my friendships. And 
let me say I'm coming to a place where I'm more mindful of God, I'm growing closer to God, and I have friendships that are still in that place, that um, when we come together, all we do is like gist, laugh, talk about other people or stuff like that, or just hang out and stuff like how how do I help like this friendships transition from that place to um to them coming to a place where like God can speak to either one of us when we're together or stuff like that. Like do you understand? Understand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean situations like that are you know very dynamic, you know, and everything um it's not a question that one can just give a generic answer to because every situation is very peculiar, you know, it depends on the kind of people, you know, are they very hardened, you know, do they have a pre-existing relationship with God, are they even Christians at all, do they believe in God at all, like, there's so many, you know, questions that are very important, you know, but above all, I'll say this, you know, and from my own personal experience, when I would hang around my old friends, you know, um, one thing that helped is, and not just my old friends, but anyone who I meet who um, might not be so deeply, quote-unquote, religious or, you know, God-oriented or, like, spiritually, you know, sound or whatever, you know. I try to speak just a level or two above where they are. I don't try to start off at a very high standpoint where I look as if I'm just trying to look down on them or trying to make them feel so bad. I just speak a little bit above. You know, I'll give an example. I was in a barber salon once, you know, and, um, and um, so I was cutting my hair and they were about, so in the barber shop, there were like five, six chairs, but it happened to be that I was the only one there. So every, all the other barbers were sitting on the couch behind me. And on the TV screen, I think some music video came on and it was all naked ladies dancing and in bikinis and everything. And they were all just so focused on the screen and everything. And, you know, and I was just like, I mean, if I just came, I say, oh my God, this is so bad, poison, poison to the soul. Like, <laughs> of course they're gonna be like, who is this guy? Please get out of here. Who are you? <laughs> so, there's no way I could have said that it would have been very foolish of me, you know. So I just had to say something that was like one step or one level higher than where they are, you know. And I simply said, I really feel like a lot of these musicians have so much more to offer than making music and believing that they can only sell if naked women are in their video. And I started talking about a lot of older musicians, you know, from the past and how there was no naked woman inside and they sold millions of records and their songs are still relevant after 30 years. But a lot of these songs, you make them after six months, no one is listening to them anymore. And I feel like most of these artists are not putting as much time into creativity and they're really wasting their God-given talent, you know? So in that way, I took it, I took it, I didn't make it about the religiousness of naked women. I just talked about how they were they had so much more to offer than, than just having naked women dancing in their songs to get people's attention, you know? And when I said that, it was so hard for any of them to argue with me. I don't forget my point. It was so hard for them to argue with me because like, I didn't take a religious standpoint. I didn't try to sound holier than thou. I just stated something that was true because all these people 
the reason why they have naked women is so that people, their eyes will be caught because of lust and then they watch the video. But when I look at the biggest artists in the world, especially in the past, they didn't have any of that. And they sold millions of records. Their videos went triple, quadruple platinum, you know? And that's what I said. And yeah, they were able to receive it, you know? They were able to receive it, you know? And um, yeah, there was another time I was talking with some of my friends who weren't even black. I think one of them was from Yemen. Another was British. Another person was, um, they were all different nationalities, you know? And we're just talking about sex. And I was just talking about how um, life is all about exchanges, you know? And I mean, everything we touch, interact with, there's an exchange of data going on, you know? And I said in the sexual acts, that's like one of the most, that's like the largest um, medium of information transfer, organically speaking. And it's not just about um, a person's sperm entering you or whatever, but in that moment, there's an energetic exchange happening between you and that person on an incredible level. And without a doubt, you leave with a piece of that person and that person leaves with a piece of you. And they say, you are, and they say you're going to go to hell and they say those things. And I said, that is exactly what's happening. And I remember one lady that was there, she really was petrified. I didn't say, I didn't call her in Jesus. I didn't say anything, but I just gave that message and talked about how, do you really want to have that much data of people all over you as you move into your life? And she just froze and she was just petrified. And I remember she was like that to the end of the night. <laughs> and I knew that that thing got her thinking so much. And I didn't need to go into so much religion stuff. If I had that conversation, I just tried to keep it very scientific, you know. And it helped them to think a bit beyond what they would normally have thought without necessarily choking them in so much, you know, religious quote-unquote dogma, you know. There's a, there's a space for that, you know, but you also have to be discerning of the kind of room that you're in so that your words are not misplaced and we don't come off as too much. Because I meet people who just are too much and I'm like, really? Can't you discern where you are, you know? And then when you come off as too much, when the people resist you, you start saying, oh, you sinner. This is why you can't repent. It's foolish because you need to assess the room that you're in, you know, and see the kind of people that you're talking to, you know. So that's what I'll say. Just speak a little bit higher from where they are, you know, and try not to make it about religion, you know. Speak about what is true, you know, what is true. So, for example, someone is making a living of fraud. Don't say God will punish you, God will punish you. Yeah, will you receive punishment? Of course you will, but you can talk about how don't you know that you're creating so much sorrow for people with this? And don't you know that in this life, whatever you sow, you're going to reap it. And this sorrow you're creating for people, sooner or later, someone is going to create this sorrow for you at a time when you wouldn't expect it. And it will be even more painful than what you did for this person, you know? And you cannot say it to them. And you might think that it will fall on deaf ears, but you'll be surprised that that one statement will ring so deep in their ears that they will just be remembering it for weeks, months, and one day that seed that you have planted will cause them to get up and leave that stuff. So these are just examples I'm giving, you know. You know your friends, you know the different things that, you know, and so I, I just pray that God gives you wisdom, you know, but it's a thing of wisdom because the world is used to Christians being too much and Christians have been too much. 
I've seen people in in um, um, Times Square or in Trafalgar Square holding um, megaphones and abusing people, saying that you're going to burn in hell. And why won't they fight you? Right? Do you? Like, why won't they fight you? Why won't they insult you? Of course they will. You are very rude, right? Like you're being so rude, so uncouth, so barbaric. Of course, I'll be offended. It's like only ex- it's expected, you know? And a lot of times we do these things and we don't know that we're, we're in the wrong. We need to assess the rooms that we're in. And when we assess the rooms that we're in, we need to put on the cap that fits that room so that our efforts are not misplaced, you know? So that's what I'll say to you concerning friends who you like to bring closer to the faith. You know, you know your friends, so you measure it. You know, like I said, there are different situations. Are there people who had a pre-existing relationship with God that fell away? Are there people who don't care about God at all? You know, so you you based on this, you know how to approach them. But just in in summary, all that I've said is don't come off too heavy. You know, don't come off too much. Be gentle, be patient, but be deliberate. So yeah, that's what I'll say to you, Jerry. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. God bless you. You're welcome. All right, Jane. Hello. Um, I have a few questions. One is from my sister, actually. Um, hello. Good evening. I actually just find out. Uh, you mentioned earlier on in terms of being in a relationship and getting to a stage whereby you feel like God has asked you to stop this relationship. Uh, but then it's for a purpose in terms of God wanting to build you. But when you get to a point whereby um, I know the Holy Spirit is involved because yeah, well, it's like uh, you get into like uh, it, it's more it's more like not really like a friendly relationship, but some sort of uh, uh, it's more like a, of an intimate relationship whereby like God has said you shouldn't be together for maybe at this point how do you discern or when you come to a place whereby like you are still having thoughts or there's still those sort of um what's those sort of um I won't say maybe some sort of thinking that uh, there's a possibility this could be a thing in future but then you could see that uh there was like you've experienced the purpose of God separating you like there's been genuine good in the person in your both individual lives and I mean like there's it's like the whole distance you've seen the purpose of it so it's like now that um you've achieved that purpose are you still in that process of learning like or could it just be a thing that it would never be and uh, just possibly still move on like Totally take your mind off it. Okay, so what I said was that if God disconnects you from someone, he does so so that he can reconnect you to them in the right way. Hmm? That reconnection can be as your future spouse, it could be as an acquaintance, or it could be as a stranger. I hope you understand my point. Yes. But in that time frame between disconnection 
and reconnection, you go through a process of building, healing, or whatnot. That's, a, that's ultimately the purpose that God wants to achieve, that growth and change that happens in you. And also in that person, you know. Like I said, is to reconnect you to the person the right way. The right way might not be in an intimate relationship. It might not be. It also might be. Now, regarding things like that, you need to pray very deliberately, very intentionally. Because, you know, in quote unquote, in the world, you know, we talk about how, oh, let's date a couple of people. Let's test, 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 test. And let's do this, this, this. And then hopefully we find the right one. You know, it's almost like a gamble. Let me gamble through a number of women, a number of men, and eventually I'll find, you know, the right guy. But guess what? After you've gambled through all those different people, even though, let's say you didn't even have sex with them on a day like that, you just being with them has significant impact on you psychologically. And by the time you finally meet the person that God has prepared you for, you're almost... Psychologically speaking, you're almost like you're 45 years old, as if you've lived so long. And 45 years old, not in a positive sense, but in a negative sense, meaning that there's so much baggage already that you've been through. And that's because one is living a life of, of trial and error, you know, experimentation, not really the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And especially for us at this time, we have to be very intentional about relationships with God is not test God if God brings someone for you he's bringing to you your life partner and we have to start thinking like that you know that the person who is God is going to bring to me whatever this is supposed to be this is the person who God wants me to get married to we need to start thinking like that because that's how God thinks it's not well let me try this one for six months and I'll jump out I'll try another person no. So when it comes to intimate relationships with the opposite sex, it's something we really, really have to take to God in prayer. We have to really pray about it. We have to pray about it because we don't want to be jumping into different boats and waste the vitality of our youth. We don't want to do that. We want to shoot once and shoot right, you know, so that's what I'll say for you. I'll say that prayer is very important. You know, the fact that you feel like you're in a better place and he's in a better place doesn't necessarily mean that it's time for you guys to come together. At the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not time for you guys to come together. All I'm saying is that let prayer be involved so that whatever decision you make is inspired. I keep saying that inspired decisions are what we need as believers, inspired decisions, gamble, trial and error, all these things. We need to do away with them. Hmm? So that's what I said to you, Jay. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so I guess I that was the last question. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry, okay. I'm listening. Okay. One last question. Okay. Um, okay. So my question is in relation to um like friendships and when we begin to study people understand the sort of persons that they are and maybe we sort of don't really um should I say agree with not agree what's the word 
okay wait let me rephrase that question so when we talk about friends in season like a very very close friend that you have in season and after that season you just go your separate ways and like you guys go do your own thing and for per adventure you guys meet up again but it doesn't just feel the same way because for some reason I, I tend to have this thing I almost feel like it's almost like a spirit i don't know what the word to call it but let's say i'm with someone really really close and if they should just go away for like a year or a few months i just if they should come and stay longer than like a week or two i just feel like they need to get out <laughs> i don't know the word to use but it's almost like i, I don't feel it's not hatred but like this is this is this Thing that I, I don't think is no I don't think it's of God and I really try to fight it like to be a nice person like to be myself but I feel like I am I am trying to I do understand like I'm really trying to be somebody like that I am but on a normal day I'm not trying to be Jane like I am Jane but in these seasons I, I find myself just trying to be a good person to them that's the word yeah um i don't know how to explain it i don't know if but i just find it a lot in my friendship dynamic and a lot in sometimes family relationship also like if people just go away and come back into my life and if they're not visiting with they are staying i'm like you need to get out <laughs> um yeah any thoughts or comments on that i don't know i mean that most of the questions will have to be questions that you um, ask yourself, you know, because if, if you find yourself doing something repeatedly, then it's a pattern and every pattern has, um, I guess, a point of origin, you know, so you need to ask yourself, what, what do I feel in such moments? Do I feel um, unsafe? You know, because sometimes when we have people present in our lives consistently over a period of time, you know, their presence, is a, it, gives a, it gives us a kind of safety. Safety in the sense that we know that, oh, this person is here, you know. Um, no matter what, this person is here. We have a fight and everything. You are still here. I can still call you. I can still see you. You're like, you're in my life. So even though we don't look at it as safety, it's a kind of safety. And we feel the safety has been taken away when the person goes. And then for the first time, we feel like, wow, a void is here as the person has gone, you know, and sometimes that void makes us feel something that we don't like to feel. And if the person then comes back, you know, it's almost as if, ah, am I going to, you know, get comfortable with this person again, only for them to, you know, disappear all over again. And then I'm back to that place of feeling like, uh, you know, I'm void or all these things. I'm just giving you questions that you can start to ask yourself to understand why do I feel that way, especially people who have left for some time, you know, do I feel betrayed by their leaving, you know, you know, I need to also ask, why did they even leave in the first place, you know, what caused them to leave, was it something that they couldn't help, you know, is it something that happened to them that force that to happen you know did we outgrow each other for a particular season was it something i did that i could have done differently you know we need to understand things in our lives we can't just say this is me this is how it is life always there's you know everyone who has 
made any significant impact in the world did so because they asked questions that no one else asked, you know? And that's why they were able to bring out solutions that no one else could have brought because they just didn't accept things as they are. They wanted to understand what caused this to be. And in, 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 in the understanding of causes, we then have the power to change the effects that we see, you know? So it's about you asking a lot of questions to yourself. Why? You know, why do I feel like this? You know, is it I'm scared? Is it that I'm afraid to admit that I'm scared because I don't want to feel like I need them? You know, because emotions are very, very tricky, like a cobweb. It's very all over the place, you know. So you need to ask yourself a lot of questions, starting by, you know, do they make me feel unsafe? Do I feel betrayed? Because if you're angry, you know, there might be some kind of, you know, betrayal. And also someone being in your space, you know, sometimes we as people are not very, we, we, I mean, you have your space, you know, your space that you have managed by yourself for some time, you know, everything is the way you like and you arrange it the way you like. And when someone comes into your space and they start to change things, it's, it's very annoying, you know? And sometimes, especially when we're creatures of habit, we don't really like change so much, you know? And when someone is bringing so much change into our immediate environment, it's very discomforting, you know? And we're not willing to adapt to it. And because we're not willing to adapt, we're not willing to accommodate someone else in my space, we then become very restless, you know? And um, that's something we can also, you can also check in yourself as well, you know? Um, do I find it difficult to accommodate people, you know, in my space? Do I find it difficult when, um, you know, the way I handle things, my, my, my world, what do I, do I find it difficult when a change happens? You know, do I find it difficult, you know? So yeah, this is a thing I'm just going to give to you to use to introspect, you know, and to ask yourself questions because ultimately the answer is inside of you and only you can bring it out, you know? So that's what I'll say to you, Jay. Thank you so much. One last question, I promise I'll disappear. <laughs> um, how do we manage the... This might sound really crazy. <laughs> and my maybe obvious, but how do we manage the love for... Because you said something tonight, which is, um, even in the last session, which is we first need to, um, you know, love God to be able to even extend that love to other people, to even able to manage friendship. This is not exactly in your words, but this is like my own understanding. But how do we balance that love for God for like friendship or relationship? Because sometimes I find myself like just, should I say crying? Like, like to God, like, I don't want to love this person more than I love you. Cause I find that maybe I'm even giving too much to that person that I even give to God or I'm just being conflicted. Like, how do we sort of balance that between how much we pour out to a person and how much, I don't know if this makes sense in any way, but I just really ponder on that a lot. And I'm like, okay, if I love this person too much, maybe God will take them away. So I don't want to love them so much. I just <laughs> want to like keep sort of, I say balance, I'm not sure. But do you get my question? 
Yeah, so I have a question for you. Is there any day that you don't use your phone? No, no, no. Is there any day that you don't charge your phone? Not at all. Why do you charge your phone every day? Power. It needs to run. Yeah, it needs to run, you know. And because you know that running your phone on a daily basis is dependent on the charger, you make sure that you visit the charger every day. And the same it is with God. Except you don't believe that God is your charger. And that does happen a lot. We start to look at people as our chargers. And we go to them to give us energy. We go to them to make us happy. We go to them and everything. And sooner or later, it comes back to bite. Until we realize truly that God is our charger. And when we truly see it, when we truly believe it, the same way you believe that your charger, that is your, your cable, is what you need to run your phone, is the same way you run to God every day. Going to the person who can enable you to even love people, to even be there for people. Because you can't really love someone when you love God, not really. Because God is where love comes from. Really, is where love comes from. And if, you, if that isn't received, then whatever you're giving, you are running on fumes, truly and truly, you know. So God has to be your first love. And when the Bible says first love, in Greek, that word first is arche. Arche means that which is chief. That's why you have the word archbishop, arc this, archangel. The word arc means the one who is the chief, you know. An archbishop is a, is a bishop over other bishops. An archangel is an angel that is above other angels. So when they say God should be your first love, your archaic love, it means the highest love, the chief of all the loves in your life. It's not about time or who you love first, but the chief, because it's from there that love trickles down to other places, you know? So there must be that time that you just give to God every day for your own personal replenishment. If not, you, even, even though you think you do, but sooner or later, you're gonna see that you're gonna burn out because there's a place that you must charge your batteries. And if your battery isn't charged, the phone can't run. How would I answer your question? Um, yes, it does. But sorry, now I have a follow-up question. <laughs> How do we have that mental shift, like from? Um, I know it might be the generic. Okay, study the Bible, spend time with God. But what what if like this is? I don't say this is what I know now because I can't change. Um. But like, how do I explain? It just sounds really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. I know it's it, it might sound easy. Like just read the Bible, go this blah blah blah. blah you you'll be able to have that shit. But like, how how slowly but surely, um, do I begin to have that mentorship? You know, um, there's some things that you can only um believe in trust in, have faith in, 
there's some things you you can only believe in, have faith in, trust in when you experience it. You know, when when you see it for yourself and you experience the joy and rapture of his presence, his aura, his spirit. There, there are some things that you have to experience it for yourself, you know, and it's that experience itself that begins to draw you because no matter how many times a person says, read, pray, this and that, all that is just to put you in a decent environment to gear you up for the real thing that will hook you in, which is your own experience and encounter with the Holy Spirit. And if that's something you desire, pray for it. Say, Father, I wish to experience you intimately. I wish to experience you deeply. Father, please visit me. And you say that prayer in your heart and you utter it before you sleep, when you wake, as you go about your day, you will see how he'll begin to open up to you in ways that you, you, you couldn't have known. And it's that opening up that will begin to pull you in because there's nothing I can say that can do that. No, you must taste to be hooked in. So I'll say pray that prayer. Hmm? And have faith that God will respond to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. God bless you. Yeah, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, a lot of these conversations, they just, um, we just go with the direction of the Holy Spirit, you know, and um, we just allow him to just guide us you know, to where he wants us to go. No matter how brilliant we think we might be, you know, God will always be wiser than us. I know the wind is blowing somewhere. We just have no choice but to yield, you know. So based on everything that came out tonight, like I said, if I sit here, I'm only a vessel, I'm only a channel for the message of God. I'm just a channel for the message of God. And I myself, I am receiving and learning in this moment, you know, and I'm just as surprised at, at what is coming out of my mouth as some of you might also be, you know. And from everything that God has brought out this evening, I believe that he's saying, that there are some relationships, some bonds, some attachments that he wants to separate us from. That he wants to separate us from. There are places that he wants to take us from. Places that, yeah, even if they were good at some point in time, for where he wants to take us to, they're not good anymore. You know, they're not good anymore. Because you see, 
at six months old, a child sucks on his mother's breast. Another time is okay. The child is at peace with sucking the breast at six months and no one disturbs that peace, it's fine. At one year old, you know, still fine. You know, we still manage. I want some mothers have already checked out, but yeah, one is still fine. But at one year, six months, two years old, the child is still trying to grab the woman's breasts. Yeah, you have to disrupt that piece. <laughs> I mean, true or false people, <laughs> especially the mothers. After two years, you must be tired, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? You have to disrupt that piece, you know. I say, oh, no, 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 no. I must come with a sword. <laughs> it's time for you to go and eat rice, my boy. <laughs> you know, a child has lived with you, you know, as, as at, at their toddler years, their teen years. Now they're entering to their 20s, 30s. Yeah, you, you have to start telling them, hey, well, are you going to be more independent and less dependent on me, you know? Yeah, it was okay there, you know, like, for, especially in Africa, you know, at 15, don't have boyfriend, don't have girlfriend, 16, don't have boy, 20, don't have, 22, oh yeah, where's your wife? <laughs> where's your husband? <laughs> no, they don't give you peace, <laughs> you know, and in a way, God is just like this, you know, there's some things that were okay before, um, that he let us to have that peace for some time. But the time has not come where he can't let us be at peace with that anymore. Not for where he's trying to take us to and relate with the kind of friendships, associations and bonds that we have. And recognize something. If God takes away a copper cup from your hand, it's because he has a gold cup to give you in return. Or better said, a golden bowl. If God takes, it's because he has something much greater to give. Because God always gives. Even when he's taking, he's giving to you. And that's something to always remember. Even when God is taking, God is giving. Always. 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 So without a doubt, I know that we're in a time where God is calling some of us to a time of separation from certain people, certain friends, certain places, certain things. Things that will not help us go to where he wants us to go to. And in the process of that separation, he will also connect us with things, people, places that will help us to go where we're going to. But we have to be willing to trust him Just like that man I told you said, we have to be willing to agree with him concerning what he wants to do in our lives. We have to be willing to agree with him. We have to be willing to agree with him. You know, concerning the things that he wants to do. So I guess this is the message that God has for us this evening. I won't try and push, you know, I won't try and push because there are many things in my head, you know, so many things, you know, and I wish some questions I won't ask about it, you know, but so many things, I mean, so many things, so many dynamics, so many relationship dynamics, so many, so many things that I really like to say, so many things that 
I'm sure a lot of us were hoping will be talked, will be touched on, but I recognized where the spirit was going. And um, yeah, um, that's the message that God has given us this very evening. So we thank God, we thank God, we thank God, we thank God. So yeah, that brings us to the end of this very, very lovely conversation. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so yeah um so yeah before we close i would like um three people three people just three people in one minute to just talk about um one thing that stood out to them um in the course of this conversation so could three people just raise their hands um before we come to a close three people just saying in one minute saying something that stood out to you significantly in the course of the conversation. Tega, go ahead. Tega, go ahead. Hi, El. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Um, a lot of things actually stood out for me. But first, thank you so much, Omar. Thank you, like, close to our big day, and you're here teaching us and being so passionate <laughs> about it. And it's clear that you're tired too. But thank you so, so much for being here. And, you know, even with our delayed responses, thank you for still pouring quality um, of what God has sent you to give to us. Thank you so much. God bless you. Um, so a lot of things stood out for me in this conversation, like a whole lot. But one of the things that really like um, against my head and because the Holy Spirit has also been emphasizing it was when you talked about, um, I think it was um, for Phoenix question and or when you talked about us de denying other people the ability or their potential or the ability of being, um, you know, of bringing value on board by, um, by the whole them. baby girl lifestyle. No, by the whole, like, oh, oh yes, you know, yes. this is, you found this, so let me spoil you. Let me do this for you. The whole baby girl thing, because it's something that we talk about a lot, and I'm a girl, so let me just throw myself under this board. You Wait, know, so one second, one second. I don't want to emphasize something. Look at that word, let me spoil you. That's it, you are spoiling the person. So go. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, please. <laughs> ah, please, just make it easy on us. Please, Angel, <laughs> just be kind, I beg. <laughs> but yes, it's very necessary that that was said. Because, yeah, there's this idea that um, for someone to prove that they love you, then they have to tolerate, like, all your excesses and all of that, even to the extent where you're not bringing any value and all. And this is one of the tough loves that God has been emphasizing to me um recently and it just helps me to see like afresh like whenever we we permit that to continue we are denying that person but denying even ourselves whenever we say we want that we are denying ourselves and um, the ability to really discover like everything that we are capable of within that friendship and then um i'm thinking of it and how friendships end up like molding or breaking us like 
it goes beyond your friendship with a particular person and then it starts to build who you are entirely. So from that friendship, from um, giving of ourselves, from being selfless, from not just always wanting to receive or always want or always or wanting to even be spoiled, not even always. From wanting from not wanting to be spoiled, we can come to a place where we take responsibility and then where we discover different aspects of ourselves, different things that God has put in us, because in a particular friendship with someone, we're willing to lay down ourselves, we're willing to like sacrifice what how best we think we know ourselves to discover more of what we can give, more of what we can give to people, because we see what we can give to, to a particular person and then it begins to spread to other much like that in there is some is some stronghold that has lasted for ages like um we especially for women glory be to god no mercy comes for me amen but yes especially for women like i want to be sport and i need somebody to tolerate my attitudes all that stuff yeah it's just something that we have we don't realize it, but we have used to actually limit ourselves. And um, thank you so, so much. God bless you all. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And just to make sure that um, that idea is not misunderstood, you know, I'm not saying that someone shouldn't treat you nicely and get you nice things and be gentle with you and all that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying someone who says yes to you to the point where you, you, you don't grow as a person, you know? And that's why celebrities, for example, they're like children, you know, they, they, they throw tantrums, they, they speak out of turn, they are very selfish because they're just used to people just telling them yes, and people saying, I love you, no matter what they do, you know? Sometimes no is healthy because no causes you to look into yourself and say, why did they say that? And in that looking into yourself and asking that why, it is possible that you evolve into something else and grow into something else to try and attain a yes. And yeah, it's helpful sometimes when someone tells you no, you know, because it forces something to grow out of you, you know? So no is not always bad, but when yes is given all the time, it's very bad, you know? So, so yeah, you don't want someone who will accommodate all your, exercise and just let you be you're in trouble you're not you're in trouble if you have someone who just let you do anything and never ever there are never any consequences for your actions they just agree with everything you're in trouble you know and you're not going to grow you don't even want that you know so so yeah that's that's the general idea but yeah thank you Teka. thank you Thank you, Tekka. God bless you. So, Jedi, talk to me. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, El Shaka, for this um, session today. It was very, very insightful. Um, and it's provided me with a lot of clarity. And the um, answers you gave to the questions I asked, it was, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so the part that stood out to me the most was your answer to the question I asked about how to genuinely love one's friends consistently in and out of season. 
And um, when you spoke about how we're shaped by our environment and the seasons we're in and all that, and then choosing to actually like look at this person and look at like the um, what they are going through and how this has like shaped them into who they are. It was it was very, very interesting um, to actually look at it from that perspective. And then when you spoke about how we treat them and how we look at them, like also being a reflection of how we look at ourselves and how we also like review ourselves and all that, it was it was something that really, really, really stood out to me. You know, like moving from the theoretical, like, oh, I know this person is going through this right now and actually practically loving them through that season. Um, thank you so much. It's It has just um, reiterated to me how important being intentional in friendships is and even being intentional too with my own self and the changes I'm going through. And so thank you so much. Yes. Welcome. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. God bless you, Jenny. God bless you. God bless you. God bless every one of you. And um, thank you for just participating in this conversation. It's been very lovely so far. I really enjoyed all our thoughts, our comments, our questions. It really, it, you know, it's a buildup, you know, as we talk, we interact and everything that we say, every question we ask, every comment that we make actually contributes to the trajectory of the conversation and I'm just glad, I'm just glad that God brought us to a very well lovely end you know um this will probably be our last virtual session for the year well Friday session anyway you know so um well <laughs> well it's been it's been an awesome time, I must say. Um, this year has been incredible. I'm just getting to know a lot of us and just bonding and just, um, it's been a beautiful journey, I must say, you know. Um, and uh, I just thank God for bringing every one of you into my life. I thank God for bringing, for him bringing me into your lives. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful. And I'm just, I'm just looking forward to what's in front because like I always say, you know, this is only the beginning and there's just so much that we're building. Um, God is building us and God is going to use, use us to build a lot of people, you know. <sighs> the future is very bright and um, I'm so happy that God has called all of us to labor, to create this world that he has been teaching us about. It is very possible, you know, it's very possible. And of course, it begins with ourselves and our immediate environment. And together, that's how we begin to make significant impact. And you'd be surprised that from a small group like this, as we begin to increase exponentially, you'd be surprised how we'll be able to make massive impact in our nation over the next 20 years. And I say 20 years because <laughs> real systemic change doesn't happen in a short period of time, you know, but it can happen in 20, 30 years. And it begins in small places like this. And God is creating different cells just like this all over the country, all over the world, because this is how he's going to bring his kingdom government upon the earth. And it begins with every single one of us. 
our input is very significant and we must take ourselves seriously. We must take our words seriously. We must take our actions seriously. They matter not only to God, but also to the world. Our words matter. Our actions matter. Our decisions matter. And we need to take ourselves so seriously that if I say one word, the world can burn down. We need to take ourselves that seriously. Because God takes us that seriously. And it is possible. Above all, I just want to say that I'm just, I'm just proud of a lot of us here. You know, I've seen exponential growth. I've seen our desire increase. I've seen dedication. And I'm so happy. And I'm just, I just can't wait to see how much more God is going to bring out of every single one of us. And yeah, people of God, we what? <laughs> we what? We move. We move. <laughs> we move, you know? We move. So yeah, um, so yeah, people, this brings us to the very end. And I, I, I thank everyone. I thank God for this very beautiful session. Thank God I was able to go through it because if you can hear my voice, I'm not, I'm just recovering. I, I think I came down with malaria on Tuesday. So today was the best I felt all week. Uh, the reason why I didn't send out the flyer earlier because I was trying to see how I'll be feeling by Friday morning. And if I, if I was, like yesterday, I woke up with, with a lot of fever, a lot of shivering, a lot of body aches. But over the day, it began to subside. So I was saying, I was just trying to say, okay, if I wake up on Friday morning feeling a bit stronger, then I'll have the session. If not, I'll just postpone it. But when I woke up this morning, I was feeling a bit stronger, you know. So I just said, you know what, we're going to go ahead, you know. But still, you can tell from my voice and everything and my energy too, you know. But thank God, you know, the body is just a vessel, you know. So um, we thank God. And um, so, yeah. So, yeah. God bless you, people. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, on this note, I wish you all a very lovely night, people. Until we meet again. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye, we love you. Bye, good night. Bye, good night, we love you. Good night, I love you too. Bye-bye. <laughs>